Jacob. I'm Cole, and this is Media Said What, the podcast where we rank every piece of media in existence and a spinoff of popular dating podcast, He Said What. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for joining us for our third episode. You're getting quicker at the intro, so I'm starting to get it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I guess that, that's, that's, you guys know what the concept is. You remember what the concept is. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode of The Godfather, 1972. We certainly did. We certainly did. It's going to be hard. Well, we're, we're going to get into that. You're probably wondering what could possibly uh, match the legacy, the prestige of uh, the film from last week. What could we have to follow? Well, today we're going we're gonna to get into that and we'll see where we land. It's going to be an interesting episode, listener. I like that we're getting more and more. There's more room for debate. There's more room for argument. Um, how does, what's the current standing? Uh, current standing of our list is number one greatest piece of media ever created is The Godfather by Francis Ford Coppola. And the second piece of media ever created, the second best and also the worst, is Hurricane of Fun, The Making of Wet Hot, directed by Amy Rice. Yeah, yeah. I stand by it this week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, it's good to be accumulating more and more fans by the day, by the hour, even. Um, and uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll uh, move on to the. We, we got, we got something special going on. Yeah, today. we have something very special today. So today yeah. will be the first non-film piece of media that we rank, which we're very excited about. This one's actually a board game called Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Now we played with the Prophecy of Kings expansion which was released in, I want to say, 2020. And Twilight Imperium itself was released in 2017, the fourth edition of it anyway. And to talk about Twilight Imperium, we actually brought on a guest who is very adept at talking about this board game, very adept at playing it, our friend Galen Fasty. So let's give a warm welcome to Galen Fasty, everybody. Galen, how you doing? Hey, Cole, I'm doing good. What's up, guys? Good to be on the podcast. Good. It's great to have you. I certainly hope to have more of this happen in the future, not with you, but with other guests, <laughs> too. Hey, <laughs> theoretically, but it's great to have you as our first guest. Um, well, I'm honored. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel good to be our first ever guest? I feel good. I have to confess, I've actually never been on a podcast before. Really? Never. Do you listen? Uh, I'm not a big podcast guy either. Uh, okay. Like, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that because you're like an old... Like, do you think you... You're, you're going to get to it, or do you think you've moved past it? I don't think it's really either. I think it's just, like, not really my thing. I'm a radio guy, yeah, which is funny. NPR. I do, yeah. and it's funny because when I tell people that, they're like, oh, so you love podcasts. Right. But it's it's just, for some, it's a slightly different thing for me. So, like, full disclosure, yeah. I've listened to some of, of, of He Said What, but <laughs> I, said I'm what? not no, an media. avid listener. Have you listened to any of Media Said What? Well, you have two episodes, right? Yeah, so it's easier to listen to than... Uh, I, I think I maybe heard a little bit of the Godfather one when you were talking about it. Right, right, right. Okay, uh, so We did play it for you. We did play it for you in preparation, I guess. Yeah. That's, so that's what you're talking about. Yes, that's that. what I've heard. But, uh, so, it, the relevant thing here yeah. is that the one podcast I do listen to yeah. is about this board game is about Twilight Imperium. So that's really actually my main exposure to podcasts. Well, that's good that you're an expert on that and, uh, <laughs> for this. Uh, I guess that's what we... And this isn't really a podcast on He Said What, although we'll have to review that eventually. Sure. But um, it's more important probably that you listen to that. Is that how you got into Twilight Imperium is through this podcast or vice versa? Other way around. I got the game, then I heard about the podcast. 
podcast? Could you want to give the podcast a shout out? Yeah, so it's uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles. I mean, they're a, they're a really well established. They're a great podcast. Matt Martin's and Hunter Donaldson. Um, Don't listen to any of their other podcasts. Just Space Cats Peace Turtles. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it gets weird beyond that, honestly. Mm. But um, uh, it's a great. There, I mean, they're almost two hundred fifty episodes in. I think. Yeah. Um, just about this board game, Twilight Imperium. But I'm sure we're going to say impressive. more and more interesting things about it in this one to two hour period than they have across all of those episodes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys are vet. So yeah, like, and know, we've, so. you know, we've spent a lot of time playing the game as well, all yep. three of us. Um, I should actually probably start by talking a little bit about my history yeah, uh, with this board true. game, which has a lot to do with you, Galen. Um, I had read a lot about Twilight Imperium online on certain board game forums and people saying how it's a board game that, you know, you can spend all day playing and how intimidating it is, but how fun it is and how it really feels like an epic. So it's something that I always wanted to play. And before Galen and I were actually that close of friends, it came up in a conversation between us. This was in high school and Galen invited me to come play with him and a couple of his buddies and so I did and we played together that time and then a few more times and it's sort of just become a thing that we do whenever we're you know in town together uh, we're probably going to try to get a game of TI in and so I think Twilight Imperium has a big role in Galen and I's friendship and that's kind of uh, the history of the game for me I've played it you know on and off since college but not to the extent that Galen has um Galen Maybe you can talk about your history with the board game, and then Jacob will close with you. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yes. What forums was it that you learned about the game on? What forums? Um, I believe, like, Board Game Geek, yeah. and also just, like, the Reddit board games right. subreddit. That's why I was curious. I was just wondering about Board Game Geek, because I know that they're, um, you know, it's inter- Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the community later, but the, um, the community of the game seems to have this, have this interesting trajectory where, I think for a while, Board Game Geek was the heart of it, and then it's moved more onto Discord servers recently, which yeah. is sort of a fun, like, you know, sociology study. Um, yeah, so I, I was actually trying to remember when you guys mentioned this to me, like, how I first heard about the game. And to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Um, it sounds like Cole actually knew more about it like before he started playing than I knew about it mm. before I started playing. Um, I think, so I worked in a game store um, for a while uh, in high school. This is before Cole and I knew each other. Um, and I think it was always just like on the shelves. And that, that, that was before the fourth edition came out. So that would have been the third edition. I mean, I think that makes sense because I remember that I never played the third edition, but the third edition cover had the, the Hakan, who are one of the alien species, they're the, like, lions, and they were in these, like, military fatigues and had these, like, marine green berets on I've them. seen the cover. It's, it's weird. It's so weird. They're now, like, like vaguely Arab traitors, it seems, <laughs> which is also, like, a whole can of worm. But they had this, like, really distinct military outfit that for some reason always stuck with me. But I think that was just, like, always on the shelves. And it's kind of the biggest thing, and it's up top, and no one ever buys it, and it's got a $150 price tag. So it's sort of just, like, the object in itself has this, like, real yeah. mystique to it, you know? Yeah. I think I cracked it open once. I think there might have been a demo, demo copy in the store that I cracked open, looked at the rule book, and um, I think I just impulse bought it, honestly. Like, I think at one point I just, like... I, I reached out to a couple of my friends, like one one guy who I knew from the game store and his his girlfriend who I like knew from back in middle school and was like, hey, like if I bought this game, like would you play it with me once? 
Because, like, that's a big hurdle to get this game on the table at all, right? So I just needed the assurance that, like, I could get it out at least once. And then I was like, screw it. I'm going to buy it. Can I curse? Fuck it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, we can curse. It's it's an explicit podcast. Okay, that's good. I didn't want to. Most of our listeners are adults. Do you guys curse on you, Sidwa? We do, yeah. A lot of the emails are really rowdy. We have the sort of, like, funny sex section where we get these very sort of profane. And I do think it's made us more profane as people. Because I think towards the beginning, part of the joke was these two squares talking about this stuff. Right. And uh, we we try to be careful about it, but then by the end, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, buckets of cum. Buckets I, <laughs> I really, I do think that working with lawyers has made me more profane, like genuinely. I think mm-hmm. I swear more than I did before I started working with lawyers. Yeah, Galen is actually our lawyer for the show. He, yeah. Any legal questions that we have, we do go to Galen. Which so. is concerning, given how little he's actually listened to the podcast, but I guess that's <laughs> not really in keeps your me, view. It keeps me distant. It keeps you distant, because you're not dealing with the content so much <laughs> I mean, whenever there's like a, a whenever we copyright, there's some copyright and stuff. Yeah, like, then yeah. I mean, I felt like I have. Helped so you're good. Stuff, you're a good yeah. lawyer. I don't want to give. Uh, I don't want to give us a bad. Let's give so, Galen a plug as well. <laughs> Galen's a good lawyer. Um, One day I'll have to review my website. <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience like that first time playing TI? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. And so who I, did you? Well, maybe we shouldn't call it. Uh, how many people did you play with that first time? There's two people. I won't give you their names. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't dox them. But uh, Sorry, yeah, it was yeah. two old friends. You know, one, one old friend from mine who I'd known since like middle school. And she was a bit older than me. Um, and, and then her boyfriend at the time, who I also separately knew through the game store. Um, they were both like real like geeks, nerds, you know, good people. Um, and I went over to their place. Um, and we uh, we broke it out, and we play. I played. Uh, I played the Academies of Jolnar. He played the X. No, he played the Mentak Coalition, and uh, she played the the Extra Kingdom, um, which was yeah, you know, where the that if you are familiar with the game, you'll know that that's a weird combination for a three player game. Um, so it was kind of a weird slow game, and we were all just like figuring out what's going on and making all kinds of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But it's fun, you know, like. We stopped our way through and we had dinner and we were like doing the the negotiation and none of us had any idea what was going on, but we were all getting into it. We we're getting into the space opera thing. I feel like I feel like we should like introduce like to people who might not know like what this game is. Yeah, right? we should do a history of the game. Yeah, uh, which uh, we're gonna have to yeah. defer to you and Cole. You can uh, yeah. you should chime in for that too. But um, that's an important yeah. section that we'll get to when you're yeah. done with your little. Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll just quickly wrap up. Um, you know, so that was the first time I played, um, and then, yeah, in, in, in high school and, and then in college, too, our buds, um, we, uh, we played together, I don't know, I think I probably played with, um, with our other friends in total, like, maybe 10 or 15 times in person, um, and I, I don't know, maybe three or four of those were really cool, um, we kind of had a, an established group going before we got really tight, um, so... Yeah, I played probably 10 or 15 games in person, just with friends, um, which is really fun. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a great, it's a great game to like make an, make an, make an event out of, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's always what we did. It was like, I remember some of my fondest memories were like in the middle of winter, like everyone was basically snowed in and like, the, <laughs> like they would trudge over to the, the common room in my dorm through the snow, you know, <laughs> shake their boots off, shake their coats off. We'd set up Twilight Imperium on the table. The, like, lax bros upstairs would, like, come down to, like, microwave their hot pockets and be like, whoa, what are you guys playing? Yeah. Like, Twilight Imperium losers. Um, 
<laughs> and that was always really fun. And then, uh, you know, uh, after college, the pandemic, it was obviously harder to um, play in person. Yeah. Um, but uh, I ended up getting really into the, like, online community for this game, which is a crazy thing that I would not have expected that existed. But there's a really active online community for this game who plays this game over... Um, uh, tabletop Simulator and now increasingly Tabletop Playground, um, which are these, like, games, these, like, online, these, like, essentially digital tools for playing tabletop games online. And some, like, excellent people in the community have put together these really robust, like, mods, online versions of yeah. these games. Um, so you can play them totally online. Um, and there's a really active... You can almost always find a game of this, like, eight-hour-long, six-player competitive <laughs> board game, which is unbelievable. Um, so I've gotten kind of involved in that scene and have played at, like, a semi-competitive level. I'm not good, um, but, like, I, I play with, you know, I play with the best. Um, I, I also feel win. like... <laughs> I feel like it's probably worth saying at some point, and this is not the point that it makes sense to say this, but this is the point where I'm remembering to say it. I feel like this is a very hard game to be good at. I think I see you as like a competitive player, and I think once you get to about the level that you are, where you're like competitive in the game and you're aware enough of the components to yeah. like not make that many mistakes and like consider everything when you're about to make a strategic move. Yeah. Beyond that, there really is like a lot of luck yep. and chance, and the game is not balanced yeah. whatsoever. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like it's probably worth mentioning that Twilight yeah. Imperium, for better or worse, and Jacob, I'll be very curious to get your take on this mm. when we eventually hear from you, is not a game that you can really, like, be exceptional at, or a game where, like, the best player is always going to win, <laughs> right. or Absolutely. even not going to come in last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that I'd add to that is that, like, I do think there is also this, you know, I think I'm at that, I'm at the level of, like, semi-competitive, competitive players where I can always, I can always play a solid game, mm. right? I, I, you know, unless I make dumb choices, which I do sometimes because it's fun, I'm always going to perform decently and I'm a really consistent player because I know all the components and I know all of the things that can come up and I can pay attention to what everyone else is doing because I know all the factions, I know how they play yeah. and I can keep all this stuff in my head. But there is also an X factor that some people do have. You look at the really good players. We're talking Duke Lukem. We're talking Duke Lukem, Brian, Magi, these guys who like legitimately have something that goes like a step beyond that, where not only are they keeping this all in their head, they're able to understand that and infer from that how they should be playing. Mm. And part of that, and maybe the most important part in high level play, is the over the board stuff, the the um which is sort of the like gaming lingo for the conversations and the uh, diplomacy. Um, the like, I need to get this system and I'm going to kill you or like I'm going to pay you off to do that. And like figuring out how you can make an offer that's going to get you what they want and make the other person think that they can get what they want. And I'm pretty good at that. But there are some guys who just like have the, they, they got the thing, you know, they got the X yeah. factor. They do have the X factor. So Twilight Imperium, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's a board game set in space. If any of you are familiar with like Risk or Axis and Allies, it's kind of like looks like that type of game where you have little plastic miniatures on the board. You're kind of moving around. Everyone's playing different factions, which are like different. Some of them are different species. Some of them are not different species, but basically they're, they're different political groups 
vying for the control of this planet in the middle of the board called Mechatol Rex. And Galen, you can probably speak to some of the more like board gamey terms that this game satisfied. You're always talking about like Euro games and other things <laughs> like that. I don't really know what this is, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. It's probably the um, like board gamers board game that I have the most experience with, so I don't like actually have a lot to compare it to. And so should we do Jacob's history first? Well, I'm actually thinking that Jacob's history, because it leads so directly into our experience mm. yeah, last true. night, yeah, that yeah, maybe we yeah, should like introduce the game yeah. a little bit, and yeah. then, Jacob, yeah. you give your history, yeah. and then kind of lead into impressions. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. Um, yeah, so, so Twilight Imperium is in some ways a classic, like, American-style game, in that it is, like, it's a ship's on a map, we're gonna throw our fleets at each other and roll dice. Um my understanding, and I, I don't actually know that much about board game history, and if you want to learn more about this, there are actually, this is, a, this is it's an iconic board game. Mm. People know about this, and this, it's like one of the things that like board game people talk like, oh, like Twilight Imperium, like it's the big one. So there's a lot of actually really good content on this. The, the one I'd immediately flag is Shut Up and Sit Down, who are um, my favorite board game review. Uh, they have, they're, they're like a YouTube channel, and they have a great website, Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, they did like a 45 minute documentary on the history of Twilight Imperium a few years ago that goes over all the, the different editions. And, and so if you want to learn more about that, I, I would really recommend that. I'd also flag that Matt and Hunter of Space Cats Peace Turtles also recently, I think within the past two weeks, yeah. did like an hour and a half long history of TI episode yeah. where they talked about the podcast. Yeah, on the yeah. podcast, they talked about the history of the different editions. Yeah. And the Actually, I haven't listened to that episode yet. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good episode. Um, it's interesting. And they kind of talk like we are about their history with the different yeah. editions. And mm. I think, interestingly enough, they had all played all yeah. of the editions, which was kind of a cool perspective to hear from, since I don't know many people who have played, like, the first or second editions. No, no and, and so um, this is just based on my understanding, like, from this other media. I've only played fourth edition. Um I think around third edition, the game started becoming genuinely sort of innovative in that what was originally in the first and second editions, pretty much kind of an Axis and Allies in space kind of thing. And for people who don't know, Axis and Allies is like the classic war game. It's like one of us is the Allies and the other one is Nazi Germany. And we have guys on this board and it takes 14 hours because we're calculating every troop's ration supplies and their angle of attack, and it's this, yeah. like, incredibly detailed war game. Um, sort of the, 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 like, apotheosis of the, like, Avalon Hill war games, the Gettysburg and all those. Um, what, what was sort of that in space, as I understand it, um, became this really interesting hybrid where, and this is a thing that, that board game designers started figuring out, that you can put these Euro game systems, and I'll explain what I mean by that word, um, on top of American games, and it becomes this really interesting hybrid thing. Uh, you know, so Euro games, which is a word that I say a lot and realize I should probably explain more than I do. <laughs> no, I'm sure you've explained it to me before, and I loosely know, like, the components it yeah. goes along with, with, like, the strategy cards and things like exactly. that. But I don't know, like, what an example of a Euro game is. I wouldn't yeah. be able to explain it to someone, so I'm curious to Yeah, get... so, like, um... The, the most, the, the most well-known Euro game is Catan. Catan is actually not really a strict Euro, um, but it has some of the components of like indirect player competition in that you're not like fighting each other, but you're, you are competing for scarce resources. Yeah. Um, 
relatively low randomness, low text dependence. So those two things do not apply to Twilight Imperia. But like, you know, right. the only text in Catan is the numbers, right? Right. So it's very, it's language independent. Um, and uh, that's just sort of like, there's also just the sort of design thing. So the better examples of Euros are like Brass Birmingham, um, which is like a game about building a train network. A lot, so many of them are about trains. Ticket to Ride is another great example. Okay. Of a sort of simpler, more like, approachable Euro game. Um, and then there are all the, like, Uwe Rosenberg, like, um, I think Feast for Odin is him, but Feast for Odin might be someone else, that are like, we're going to manage this small northern European economy, mm. and it's going to take three hours, and we're barely even going to be interacting except for the draft phase, and other <laughs> than that, we're just organizing our components slowly in our tableau. Um, that's sort of the, like, ethos of Euro games. And the cool thing about Twilight Imperium is that it brings some of those aspects. So there is direct player competition, and there is a lot of text in Twilight Imperium. And randomness. And a lot of randomness. Uh, but there are decks of cards. There are so many cards. I, last week <laughs> I, I finished sleeving most of the copy, so I know how many cards there are. Um, but, uh... Um, <laughs> we'll edit that out. Well, yeah, we'll cut that out. We'll cut around it. Um... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, the, like, Euro game mechanics. So one of the key mechanics that I think got introduced in 3rd edition um, is the strategy card. So at the beginning of every round, yeah. there's a draft where you go around and each player picks one, or in a smaller game, two, of these strategy cards that are really important, sort of, direct the direction that your empire is taking. Yeah. Um, and there are these sort of overlaying mechanics um, that have these Euro ancestry, almost, um, that make the game, you know, interesting. It is a very interesting game, among other things. And I think now, um, we've talked a little bit about the game. If you're interested in the history, if you're interested in actually knowing how this thing plays, what it looks like, I would invite you to consult other resources because yeah. the focus of this podcast will not so much from this point on be talking about really what the game is. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about what our experience with it has been, what we think its quality is, right. um, if we had to assign it a numerical ranking. And I think the perfect way to start talking about that is Jacob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I came at it from, a, from a, an, an angle which I, I hope many of the listeners will be coming at it from, which is never having played it before. I played it once in preparation for this. I'm sure I would've gotten to it eventually, heard about it through these two and um, some other people who I knew had played it. Yeah, for these two, I think. Um, but I'm not, I haven't been, I've, I haven't played a lot of board games. I used to play, you know, the, uh, the Monopoly and, and uh, you know, uh, um, sorry. And you don't like Monopoly very much, right? I do, I like Monopoly. I, like, I have my own set of rules for Monopoly, which we'll talk about when we do the Monopoly episode, but I'm not... Once I finally played Monopoly legitimately, I realized it's not really... I just wasn't good at it's it. It's a bad know? game. No, it's, it's fun, but it's like, if you don't really... If you're not good at it, it's a fast game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> Everyone has house rules that make the game slower. Yeah, we played yeah. the free parking rules in my yeah. family. Yeah. You put the money on free no, we parking. Too, yeah, yeah we, is that not an official rule? Not an no. official rule. That's and the insane. other thing, the big thing that people get wrong is the auctions. That when you land on a property and don't buy it, yeah. it goes to auction. Oh, that's fine. And that speeds the game up so much. I didn't um, know that at all. Yeah, and like no one plays them. <laughs> that's a good rule. Yeah. Well, uh, so I haven't had a lot of experience with board games. Every now and then, you know, I had some board game friends growing up, but not like this. You know, but you've mostly played casual. It's mostly board casual, games. but then there's like the more complicated ones. I was going to ask you, this has just been... 
there's this weird board game that's kind of like Risk. It's a whole, it's a map of Europe, and you have these little blocks of different colors. It's not uh, Diplomacy. It, it probably is Diplomacy. It's like a big one. I saw it online. Yeah, Diplomacy is a really cool game. Diplomacy is like Risk, but with zero strat or with zero randomness and simultaneous turns. So it's all about negotiating what yeah, other people yeah. are going to do. I love Diplomacy. I could do, I could talk for four episodes about I'm Diplomacy. I'm pretty sure it's Diplomacy. Like one's Germany. The black blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just it's like World War One. Yeah. Every now and then, someone would show me a game like that, which was seemed more sophisticated than them. You know, like shoots and ladders and stuff. (laughs) I was always a little uh, scared of those two, but you know, the sort of these board games always interested me because you know, listeners, you know that I'm a big fan of you know movies and. And, and genre and stuff like that. Sure. So I, I liked the idea. I liked the world of Twilight Imperium a lot, and that was very exciting to me. I was a little nervous about um, playing it for the first time, but I played it for the first time for the podcast, and um, I guess that's... Uh, I watched some tutorials beforehand. That was definitely necessary. About Accumulated about 42 minutes of tutorial content online, which will be reviewed at a later date, I guess. That's uh, RTFM, right? RTFM, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Love those tutorials. Um, Very helpful, very helpful, but I still needed some hand-holding from Galen, um, including a little um, preliminary, you know, refreshing refreshing course before the game actually started. Um, But, uh, yeah, that was was sort of, and this was just a couple days ago, so I got a really fresh uh, perspective on it. Um, You know, we like to keep it fresh here um, to, you know, we could we couldn't we couldn't do a podcast right after we finished like we did with Hurricane or, or Godfather, but this is close enough, I think. Um, yeah. And what was your experience, Jacob? What did you um what did you think of the game? And maybe you can kinda yeah. narrate the course of the game as yeah. you talk about your experience sort of like working through it. Uh yeah, we'll try let's try to um yeah. I think let me see, that's the best way to come at this. I Well, the first thing I should mention is a lot easier than I expected. I was expecting, you know, because I, I, I've i played some of the other sort of complicated, what what, do you, it's, what would you call we, these sorts of board games that aren't the casual board games? You know? Like a sort of heavier strategy board heavy games. Strategy, yeah, heavier strategy, heavier Hobbyist board games. Hobbyist board games, that's good. Okay, I, I've played some of the hobbyist board games through Galen, mostly. Yeah. Um, and You played Oath and Root. Oath right? and Root. Is that really the only two? Yeah, I guess so. I can't think of any. Yeah, I, um, I have a whole closet. Oh, I played full. the Star Wars game. Oh, yeah, you played Rebellion. Rebellion. Oh, I can't wait for the Rebellion episode. I'm Re- going to like, listen to that. <laughs> Rebellion, uh, Rebellion and Oath. I, those were two. Brute's really the only one I understood. And that one even, <laughs> that one even I, I still, I, I, I don't know what would happen if I played without Galen there. Mm. Um, but it's really the only one that I felt like I, I could wrap my head around, yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest. So I was a little worried about this one because it definitely seemed, Root's kind of cute. Yeah. And it seems like a game that, you know, I could imagine some of those friends I had playing when we were young, you yeah. know, introducing to me and maybe understanding. Oath, don't let the images fool you. It's, 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 it's complicated, you know. And Rebellion's a whole other thing. But uh, this I was expecting to fall in line more with those games. Yeah. So I was, re- I was nervous, um, even after the, the 42 minutes of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of explanation. But you know, Cole and Galen kept insisting throughout. You know, it's you got, it'll be make more sense the minute it starts, and people have said that to me about things that aren't board games too, and I just it never seems to work. But in this one, I will say it did. It really did. It felt like you know the minute, and I also got uh, what they call uh, uh, I rolled first, or I I, I rolled the lowest number, you the highest speaker number, and speaker. Around, yeah. So I had to make the first move, listeners, and that that was not. Um, that was that was that was me. That was whatever anxiety I had. It it cranked it up, 
And, um, but then you do it and it just seems like, okay, I, well, I know what I should probably do. And, you know, like I said, I got handholding from both of them and telling me, oh, you probably want to go with this. Uh, these are strategy cards that we started with. You probably want to pick technology or, and, you know, but after that, it just sort of cascaded into, um, yeah. Um, and I think that's actually a really interesting point you're making about the complexity in these games. Yeah. Um, I think Twilight Imperium is a game that obviously has complexity to it. Totally. Um, but the scope and the scale give it a lot of guidance. Um, and I think those those comparisons are actually interesting, right? Because, like, Root, for people who don't know, and I'm not going to get too into it, because I'm Let's sure you'll have a plug, though. Let's give Root a plug. Yeah, Leader Games, <laughs> make both, or the makers of both Root and Oath, uh, absolutely my favorite board game company. I mean, Root, really. They're much better than Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah. That's really. um, good, good for the Root. Ever guys. since Christian T. Peterson left, FFG is sort of... I mean, Dane is a great... Dane Beltrami, designer of the oh, uh, expansion, is a great... Dane. artist. No, you're thinking of Kyle Farron, the uh, leader like games Kyle artist. Farron, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the flag. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, anyway. <laughs> but yeah. So like, so Root is this like really heady strategy game where the rules are actually pretty simple and like all of the complexity is in the interaction of the different factions. Oath is another thing where like the underlying rules aren't that complicated. They're a little messier, but there's a huge amount of complexity in Oath that just comes from these cards, right? Sure. So there, yeah. it, all the complexity is just hidden in this deck. And, and you're not going to understand it until, like, you've started seeing these cards and sort of understanding, like, the universe of things they can do. Yeah. Um, and I've only played two games of both, and I, like, I get the rules, but I don't get the scope of the game, That's you know? interesting. Which I think is one of my things, which I, I'm going into these uh, hobbyist games in the future. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to have to, because this, we've established right. that this is media. I think... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I think <laughs> I like a game where I can at least pretend to have, or trick myself into thinking I have a grasp on all the directions it yeah. can go in. And I don't remember Oath enough. Yeah. But I do remember sort of thinking, like, at every turn of the, yeah, I guess it must have been the card. The next card, like, my understanding of the game could shift totally. radically. This and that's is, one of the de design elements of that game. Like, it's I'm very sure intentional like it. yeah, yeah, yeah. that a single card can change an entire... Someone draws a vision that lets them win in a totally different oh, way. And then Oath is a totally different game than it right. was, like, 30 seconds ago. And that's real. And, like, to me, as, like, a board game guy, that's really interesting. That and, like, interesting. I'm so... Uh, like, I, I desperately want to play more Oath. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 tough. That's a whereas Twilight Imperium. Yeah, yeah that's where I want. Yeah. It tells you you have to get to ten points, or yes. we play to fourteen points. But it's and I'm always so I never want to like a, a victory point mechanism. Hmm. But it works really well in this game. Me. What about you? Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, because <laughs> it could be like a lot of war games are like. You control Mechatol Rex for one round, right? You control the big thing in the middle for one round, and you win. Right, Twilight Imperium doesn't have that. Twilight Imperium tells you it gives you direction with these objectives, but it gives you direction that's sort of in a lot of different ways, yeah, um, yeah. and gives you options. And you have to try to sort of grok how I'm going to build a machine of my empire that can do all of these things, and also the sort of next level of play that like you wouldn't be able to do because you don't even know all of the cards in the objective right, deck, right? right? But once you start learning that, you start trying to think like, okay. Here are all of the things that I could be asked to do. Right. How do I get ready to do For those that, things? Yeah. Um, 
And it gives you these like really clear questions that have like thorniness and complexity in them. Yeah. But it's still giving you bright and clear like this is these are the this is the set of things that you might have to do. And at the end of the day, you have to get to ten points and then you win. Dalen was good. You did seem prepared, and I'm sure some ca- a card kind of goes into that when she <laughs> talks about during the game. But uh, I, it is what well, you've said something interesting. As again, a real outsider, I did. There were a few times that I did attain control of Mechatol Rex, and it was a thing where, like, you know, if you know the lore, which Galen, did you talk about how that's the story is sort of like they're fighting for command of Mechatol Rex? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we talked too much about the lore on, on this episode. On this episode, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think we talked about the lore very much. Well, that's all you really need to know, but again, it's something I latched on to as, you know, more of a movie, uh, movie right. expert myself, but... Uh, I just like the story of it. But you get to Megatol Rex, and, you know, I got some point for it because yeah. it had to do with some objective. But, like, also by the end of it, I was in control. I ended yeah. up in control. And it's sort of like, well, I should... It felt like, oh, <laughs> I did it. You know what yeah. I mean? I was sort of anticipating that to have some fanfare. But right. But it really didn't. Um, it was cool, but... You know. No, and it's an interesting thing that, like, it does... That's that's actually a great example of how... Um, some of the more like Euro-y, the, the like super systems of the game. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to get too abstract without we're talking about this, but like... It's it, okay, our, our listeners live for this yeah, stuff. Okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll do a mind map. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I do think that the like, the heart of the game is the board, right? Yeah. You got your ships on the board and you're going to fight with them. A board which you designed... I, I put together the, the exact arrangement of the tiles. That's cool. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, so it's a, for people who don't know, it's a game. Um, there's not one board. It's a, there are a bunch of hexagonal tiles that you configure into generally like a three ring pattern um, with Mechatol Rex, this big, which is like the old imperial capital, the empire that's now fallen, um, and all these like remnants are fighting for control of. The old imperial capital in the middle, everyone has their home systems on the edge, and then a bunch of other planets to fight over in between. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, you're talking yeah. about ships. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the, um, you were talking about how like you took Mechatol in this like big climactic battle, and like Cole had been trying to take Mechatol Rex from me for like, it wasn't, it wasn't two that. or three my, rounds. My my takeover wasn't as climactic. I I, I did the, loosen the, it yeah, for you. Yeah, you, yeah, me you it loosened it. Yeah, I was just sort of more like I was. I mean, we. <laughs> it was gonna make it seem like listeners. Galen was playing the Yin Brotherhood. Yeah, he had an yeah, infantry stack that was unreal on <laughs> Mechatol Rex. And yeah. each time I was within two or three rolls yeah. from getting him off it. It was a rough game for me. I'll say that. It was not lucky. Was my, and so, um, yeah. it was a good showing for the newly Omega Yen, which that's going to mean nothing to about <laughs> all of you. But um, anyway, uh, continue with your mind mapping. So um, there's that like physical component of like you took Mechatol Rex from me. But that's a really interesting example of how these other systems, in this case the strategy cards, impact that. Because Mechatol Rex is like a pretty good planet, it has a lot of influence, but the reason that it's really important is because one of these strategy cards that you can pick is the like a big direction of your empire for a whole round, and the game usually only lasts five rounds. We were playing to 14, so I think we went into round seven. Um, but you know, you, you, you pick one of these and that's your thing for the, for the whole round. One of them is Imperial. And if you have the Imperial strategy card and you control Mechatol Rex, you get a point. And a point is a really big deal. And it becomes even more of a big deal. You know, a point always seems like, oh, that's good, that's a point. But I think when you... Um, so Matt and Hunter of Space Cats Peace Turtles have this way of talking about um, 
points in the game where um, in a standard, and this has a lot to do with like the competitive meta of the game and what it's evolved to, which will not be most people's experience with this game. Most people will be playing with a home group that has Lord knows what meta. And the competitive meta, like the, the, the standard way of winning, the sort of, it's really, I think the best way to think of it is the pace car, is you score each of the phase one public objectives you, get, you score all three of your secret objectives, which are cards that only you have, and that gets you to eight points. And then you need two more points. Mm. Sometimes you can score the first phase two public objective, because typically in a competitive game, you'll only see one of these two-point objectives um, before the game ends. Or you can get what they refer to as guac, because it's extra. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's what comes on top. And guac are any of the other ways that you can get a point. Often one of those will be support for the throne, which, which is a... We a, didn't play with. We, we had them in our hands the whole game, but it's kind of weird in a three-player. Yeah. Um, but it's a card that says, you give this to another player, when they get it, they get a point, and if they attack you, they lose the point. Oh, wow. Which is a really interesting card. Yeah, this is one of those promissory notes? Yeah, it's one of the promissory yeah, yeah, notes. Yeah, I didn't get into that. Listen, don't feel bad if you don't in your first game. Yeah. I understand it, it was... No, absolutely. The the game actually recommends it like for your first game you don't play with them. Okay, just because they're sort of a weird extra thing. Um, they're really more of an aid in negotiation than anything else until you get to the really high level of competitive play where you'll almost always see support swamp. So everyone just picks a friend, they give each other support for the throne. And in a six-player game, that's less of a big deal because then it's like, oh, that's 20% of the rest of the table I can't attack rather than that's 50% of the rest of the table uh, yeah, I can't yeah. attack in a three-player game. Um, but so that like scoring tempo is really important in a, in a competitive game. And when you consider that, getting this one extra point from Imperial while controlling Mechatol Rex can make or break an entire game. In, um, in the... I think it was the last tournament before no, it was the first tournament after Prophecy of Kings came out. It was last year's uh, Twilight Imperium tournament, which was hosted by Space Cats, Peace Turtles. There are some other tournaments, but that's sort of the, that's the biggest one. Um, the uh, the Custodian's Token, which is what you get if you're the first person to take Mechatol Rex. And Jacob took that in our game. Jacob took it. Um, I did. You got that thing, got the token, yeah. when you took uh, Mechatol Rex the first time, yeah. and it gave you a point. Yeah, yeah, that's vaguely familiar. And again, that's not because I wasn't paying attention. It's because it's this is a long, we should mention yeah. how long after yeah. this, we should mention how long it took because that's another crucial part. To um, but yeah, keep going. The Custodian's Token had a 40% win rate in that tournament. And wow. bear in mind, this is a six-player tournament, so the, the standard win rate is 16.6%, right? That's wow, your benchmark so win rate. Wow. The player took Custodian's won 40% of the time over like 50-something games because of how important getting those even single extra points are outside of the like standard tempo yeah. of one objective per round. Um, and that does become less important in a 14-point game. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like 14, because we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this later too, but I'm kind of sick of the competitive meta. The competitive meta is really like, it is, it, it, it really feels like you're just racing against the pace car. Because when you're playing with six really good players, if you aren't scoring at this tempo or ahead, someone else is, right? You don't have time to do a divergence. I, I like, I, there was recently a conversation on the, the Discord, the, the Space Cats Beast Turtles Discord, about like round one scoring, um, whether or not, how important is it to score in the first round of the game? And often it can feel so expensive to do that because there can be an objective that's like spend eight resources 
It's like, shit, I have 11 resources in my total empire. So I'm gonna spend like 90% of my total, like all I can buy this round, yeah. just to get a point where instead I could get all of this plastic and like I could stuff that'll accelerate me and let me take more planets. But if you fall behind that pace car in the competitive meta, you're going to lose. It's really hard to win. Someone made a comment. I played uh, the Necrovirus in my prelims game in the tournament this year, and I lost that game. Part of that is because I didn't score round one. The Necrovirus are considered like a really good faction, and someone, I think, made the insightful comment that um, they're a faction that are terrible at scoring round one. Their initial setup isn't very good. Um, and someone made the comment that if no one scores round one, which sometimes happens because just hard objectives come out, Necrovirus suddenly become undoubtedly without question the strongest faction <laughs> in the game. Because they and, and in a in a in a sort of home group game, they feel terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have this huge economy, they get all these command counters like it feels like for free. They can build all these ships, they can steal your technology. Um but if they don't get a point round one in a competitive game, they're just gonna be behind someone else who did. Um yeah, that's sort of a tangent about the competitive meta. But. And our game really didn't have much of a competitive meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to uh, talk through our game, Jacob? Yeah, I'm curious to get like, like your narration of what the game yeah. was. So just to orient those few of you who might have any familiarity with um, this game at all, I was playing the Extra Kingdom, Galen was playing the Yin Brotherhood, and Jacob was playing the Nomad, which is a new faction that has recently come out in the Prophecy of Kings expansion. Oh, I didn't know that. And Jacob yeah, chose the Nomad thing. because they looked cool. Looked I think cool. you like the story. The backstory's great. It's the kind of thing listeners know I love of just like the lone, you know, the lone man. You know, I like that I was one person fighting uh, like all these other groups. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. I I thought, like I said, the story of this is just, it's really fun and, 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 and tasty. But, uh, you know, I knew eventually I'd have to, like, start moving beyond that and think about strategy, which is one of my weaker spots, I think. Um, And uh, that was what was making me nervous. And the game starts and you're thrown right into the strategy aspect of it, of planning ahead and trying to... And but I, I would say it's a game that starts strong. I said this to him the other day when we were going into the back, you know, we were in the last maybe... 30% 30% of it, I was just... I, I do think, like Cole said with The Godfather last week, it is a little front-loaded. Um, and uh, uh, I, I, I... That's because it starts and you're just sort of shooting out in your little cool plastic ships, which are really cool. The, the ships are designed well, and, and you sort of want to take some time just to play with them a bit, I think. But uh, as you, you, you can't, you got to put them on the board. And I just enjoyed going from planet to planet, and there's no threat, really. You don't have to roll the dice yet, which isn't bad thing but uh you know it's fun to do the combat but it's not very stressful and it's just you get to admire the planets and and it's a really cool like the art the planets are cool and the backstories and all the little cards have little quotes that characters have said and it's just fun if you like that sort of thing which which you know i do can you um can you give me the like 15 seconds i'm sorry i didn't listen to the godfather episode can you give me the 15 second version of godfather's front loaded this was a take i had as someone who had never seen the godfather before i also can't remember if you said that on the podcast or afterwards i also only watched the last couple weeks yeah and i just felt like um most of the scenes that i really liked most of the strongest scenes i felt like came in the first half but definitely like the first two-thirds of the movie are we talking like before the sicily yeah before sicily and i'm not even a hater of sicily like i talked about how much i actually really liked pacino in the role even though he's kind of giving like a sort of understated performance in some ways like 
I wasn't dying for more Brando in the way that I could see someone who'd never seen it and expecting Brando to be in the whole thing. Um, feeling that's not what I was feeling, but I, uh, I thought the finale, even though it was good, actually didn't reach the highs of yeah. like the scenes in the middle, like the scene in the restaurant or even the scene at the hospital. I actually think I agree with that. So yeah. I don't think that the movie's like front loaded in yeah. a really negative way, no, no, but we'll I just enjoyed the beginning. We'll have to get into with the ranking section. That yeah. yeah, yeah, certainly not now when we're talking about this game. I think if you, if you want to <laughs> yeah. listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can I actually make one other comment about, about what about you Twilight said? About, about the, the opening, the oh, opening Twilight part. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 I think that's really interesting, and, and it totally makes sense, and I just want to like give the other perspective that I also love the first two rounds yeah. of, of A Game of Twilight. Period. I want you both to jump into this, by the way, because this is, I, I don't know what I'm talking, I think it's fun for me to establish a, yeah, a yeah. shaky structure and you guys to come and try yeah it. so yeah please like and it's so cool for me to hear you say that because um, i i love the first rounds for a totally different reason mm, so. because to me the first two rounds like one and one and a half two rounds of twilight imperium are, are a puzzle because i'm i don't really need to deal with all these other players right and there's just some, like usually there are just one or two things that a player, another player could do that will like meaningfully impact me. Right. right. So I just need, basically the external variables are confined enough that I can actually, to some extent, solve what am I gonna, what the first hour and a half of this game, yeah. right? Like which systems do I take in what order? What do I build off of the warfare secondary? What yeah. tech am I getting? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. am I getting the money for all of these? And it's whereas later in the game it sort of blows up to the point where you can't analyze all of it. Well, and you'll uh, hear even like conversations happen at like the very competitive level about a faction's round one. Totally. And there's a reason that no one talks about in the same way like what a faction's round two is or what their round four is because there's no guarantee about how many rounds the game is going to go or what the game's going to look like in round two once the factions have already begun to interact the complexity like, multiplies a faction can decide to eat another faction slice in round two of the game like What's, that's not a entirely slice, a slice a slice is like the section of planets like immediately around you it's sort of like this is a bad way to describe it but imagine like your empire sort of like yeah. the planets that you're capable of taking in your round natural one. territory but in round one like galen is saying like you really have the opportunity especially the better you understand the game to decide what your strategy is going to be, what your focus is, and kind of like creatively analyze the planets that you have, what their strengths are, what your faction strengths are, and like try to find some marriage between that while looking at the object- objectives that are already revealed. So I, I like what you're saying, Galen. I agree with that. It's I like I like suiting up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And, and there's little. There's not a lot of consequences. And it's for to me, it didn't seem like I, I also had. The, it's worth noting I had the technology card, so I yep. didn't get to sort of get some new uh, ships, or not ship, but like, uh, I forget I think you got Gravity Drive. Gravity Drive, drive which, which sort of opens up. Open, yeah, and it's just cool to sort of pour over these, like, oh, now I get to do this. Again, as an, as a newbie to the game, it's like, oh, it's someone who loves the worlds, because, you, know, you know, I like the worlds listeners. It was just cool to be like, oh, this is, this is what's going on now, and this is what I can do from now on, and this is why this character automatically gets this, because, oh, it's right. blah, blah, blah. And it really didn't seem like I could make a mistake but then it was interesting because Cole kept talking about how he was making mistakes in the first round, and you guys were both laughing about it. But I really didn't, I, you know, it didn't seem like he was doing anything crazy, which I think is an interesting right. point of contrast between me and them. Um, Do you want to talk about the mistakes? I, in round I made some serious mistakes in round one. So I haven't played Twilight Imperium in probably a year, which is crazy Something to like say. That, yeah. Um, and even though I actually always listen to Space Cat's Peace Journals, <laughs> and I follow like 
you know, the discourse surrounding the game a little bit. I would describe myself as much more of a casual fan than Galen, and I don't play as consistently or in as competitive of settings. So when we came into this game, I actually forgot about what I a fair number... is the only game that you've played on TTS with Strangers, the one where you subbed for me for I a couple hours. I subbed for Galen and ruined his game. My internet went out. He still blames me for ruining the game. <laughs> I, I maintain not. that I made Please. fine decisions. Wait, your internet worked? My yeah. internet went out. So I, I was Galen's proxy, school, yeah. and Galen was like texting me a little bit to try and like, manage a, a little location. bit. Yeah, I was this, also... was, this was the first summer of COVID. Yeah. So I, I ran up to the, the hill behind my house where in front of the barn where you can get cell service and I was like was messaged he's like sorry like my internet went out and I like texted Cole and was like do you want to sub for me in this game and he did wow what, what were we playing Mentac yeah you, you were Mentac yeah I, I, it wasn't really or your fault it, you just had that yeah no it was Mentac because I remember a threat I made to the Mulat player yeah. at the table and yeah. they did not like that oh and the thing you did was you we were holding Muat ceasefire, and you used it on a sort of ancillary planet, but I intended for it to be used in another location. And, and listen, that listener, listeners, imagine you come into a game halfway. Yeah. You don't know these intents, you know? You're just trying to be a good friend. No, I don't blame you, get, you for you it You get all. blamed later. Anyway, Wait, in this uh, game... Was it... Sorry, I just, this, is, this is what I'm sure the listeners want to hear. Was it... We, I'm not sure that when you're interacting with the other players, is it vocal? It's vocal yeah. voice. Yeah, so you, you do it for Discord. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, they man. said something like, um, <laughs> oh, "What was it?" They they were sort of threatening me, and I said, "If you come at me, like I'm going to make sure that you have a very Muat late game because Muat <laughs> at this point in the meta was considered to be like Famously a very bad faction, yeah. especially uh, in the yeah, yeah. anyway." And they did not like that, and. Anyway, it was a very bold move to come in and I think make a threat like that, especially when I clearly didn't really understand the board state all the way. But in this game, two or three hours? Yeah, two or three hours. Um, So like a quarter of the game. In this game (laughs) that we played, the three of us, last night or yesterday or whatever, I'm kind of disoriented in time right now. Yeah, Yeah, we should talk about the time we played. We'll do that after this. 9 p.m. Yeah, we'll get to that. As we like to say in this podcast, we'll get to it, and I don't know that we will. And then we'll we'll move to a quick ad break pretty soon. Um, But I forgot that the secondary of the Warfare strategy card actually allows players to build at home without placing a command counter down. I knew it uh, let you build at home, but I forgot that you could do it without activating your home system, which this probably sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook to most of you listening. But the implication of that was that I really locked myself down in round one. I wasn't able to claim as many planets as I would have been able to. I had the economy to where I actually would have been able to take a decent number of planets and enter the next round with like a substantially better economy. And I really just slowed myself down for no reason, and there was nothing left for me to do. Because you actually got Cruiser 2 round 1, right? I did. No, that was Cruiser round 2. Yeah. Round 1, yeah. No, no, but no. I think the But I could have built thing. a carrier. I could have gone right. and you could have got an at Atlas. least one more planet. Yeah. yeah, it was just... It was a very weak move, and I honestly probably could have... Um, man, I can't remember. Were the round 1 publics... Oh, because the round one public was three on the edge of the game board. And I didn't get that either for you no reason. You could have done it, but because... I think... I think I, was, I, actually, I think I was holding Warfare, and yeah. I kind of screwed you because I played it before leadership, so you didn't have the tokens to follow. No, I actually right? weirdly had the objective at one point, yeah. but then I took back a move. Right. Anyway, all this to say, I made a couple of very key yeah. errors 
in round and one. I, the key thing to understand, just for people who don't know the game as well, is that um, normally when you build a ship, you can't move it until the next round. Warfare lets you build ships that you can move immediately. Which is so important in round yeah. one, because you only have... I mean, depending on the faction, like one or two, yeah, your sometimes three, maybe ships with capacity. Ship. And you need a ship with capacity to take any planet. So I've taken one system, and now I essentially have nothing else that's gainful I can do for the rest of the round. I was sort of just treading water for round one. And so Jacob and Galen both entered round two. Galen and I were both playing, I would say, pretty weak factions. Yeah. Um, but Galen had a much better round one. And Jake was playing a pretty strong faction and entered round two just like turbocharged. And I was uh, struggling a little bit. Yeah. So all this to say, the better you understand the game, and I don't understand it very well clearly, but you can understand when you've made an error and how big those round one errors, how big of implications those can have on the rest of your game. Yeah, because they magnify. They really do. Errors do magnify. And um, anyway, like I said, Jacob really shot out to an early lead that was pretty crazy. Like, yeah, so one of the larger the leads the I've two? ever seen in the <laughs> Absolutely. game. I think Jacob was at like... Six or seven mm, points. No, no, it wasn't seven. I was at five. Well, you got six. custodians. Yeah. You scored two public objectives, and I think you had scored no, two I think, secrets I think as well. Of, I think at the end of round two, round two, Jacob was at six points, and Cole and I were each at one. It was but insane. It was. It was good. It was. Uh, it's it <laughs> being humble. It was a nice start to the game. Listen, but I just also want to. Uh, it's funny because people. I'm sure people are. You guys are going to be say, oh, well, you only like the beginning because that's when you were winning. It couldn't be further from the truth. I, I, I think I'm, I'm someone who, you know, listeners, you know, I'm not very competitive when it comes to these sorts of things. You know, I'm sort of a movie guy, so I don't get competitive too much about stuff. And uh, uh, the, the thing with this is the games that I never really, it ends up being a thing. And it's true with sports, too, which we won't have to cover. But it's just like I never, oh, we will have to watch sports. So I just never got, like, I'm more of like a, I don't know what you call it. You know, if I enjoy the game, I'm enjoying it because it's, right. it's fun to win. It's fun to lose. It's fun to just be doing the, the, the motions as long as I don't get kicked out of it or like with Monopoly. It's just as long as you're there for most of the game, it's fun. Um, I'm sure it had some some trickle-down effect that I, I was doing, but more so just that like I, I was a viable competitor. Yeah. And I wasn't being, you know, you know, I wasn't so behind that it felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was a helpful boost, but... I, I, you know, I, I think I'm someone who enjoyed the aspect of the game that wasn't entirely competitive, and I, I, I attribute my initial um, staggering success to the fact that I was just, I looked at the objective cards and said, that's yeah. what I'm going to focus on. It was probably that myopia, myopia, my, the tunnel vision of yeah. like, I don't really know what's going to happen after the round, that helped me focus on those cards and not the implications of that right. focusing. So it was, that's what got me to shoot ahead. And I did lose. I don't, to spoil, spoiler alert. Spoiler, yeah. yeah. Um, so it didn't really, it was a strong start, but, and I don't know if I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I made mistakes, but I, it was just like, I'm going to, this is what these cards are telling me and I'm going to do as many of them as possible. And I sort of quipped after the first round, I was like, you guys just have to focus on the <laughs> objectives. And, and I think I noticed, interestingly, as we got into the mid game and light game, it felt like you started getting a little more directionless. Like, yeah. I think oh, absolutely. because the, in part because the complexity of the game multiplies, in part because, you know, typically at the end of round two, everyone has taken their slice, right? We're done with that initial expansion phase. Yeah. Now we're all up against each other. Yeah. And now what happens? I think that, that to me is a really interesting part of the game, right? Yeah. Because it becomes, a, it becomes more diplomatic. It becomes more po about point trading of like, okay, 
if I get the three tech specs this round, you can get it next round maybe. Um, I think is a consequence, three-player games have sort of much more confined metas, right? I think Cole and I always in Twilight Imperium at this point have a very adversarial relationship. <laughs> we because always do. Galen is, always comes out on top, but... Right. Well, in the interesting I thing did is, win one game. I think. Oh, yeah, you I, won, I won one his game. ghost yep. one time. Wow. I was playing base game Winu. Yeah, and was, I had a good game. <laughs> you but. did have a good was game. It, was it, yeah, but I will say, oh, that we, we should Mendel. tell our listeners that we were playing with Gabe and Mendel, and Mendel <laughs> helped. Best buds. Yeah, and they. Um, Mendel was playing the academies of Joel, the universities of Joel yeah. Mar, who are like the crazy tech faction. He had War Sons, which can bombard through PDS, and, and he, he gave had X89 bacterial weapons. Which lets you destroy all of the infantry on a planet with bombardment. I had wow. like fifteen infantry with a PDS stacked on my home system, which is like virtually it's a planetary defense system. Yeah, the little space cannons, cannons. Yeah, yeah, uh, which space is like a virtually impenetrable defense, especially in base game. There are way fewer tools to deal with this. One of the only ones is X eighty nine War Sons. These two technologies, which are both like. On opposite ends of the tech tree. Only Joel Nahari in this game yeah. would ever get both of them. Absolutely. And he specifically got both of them to, to king slay me. Yeah. Took my home system, which allowed Cole to win. But we should also say that I think whenever we play with Gabe and Mendel, not so much anymore yeah. maybe, but Gabe always really, my big complaint with Gabe, yeah. whom I love, yeah. is that he really enables Galen I can talk and Gabe constantly will do deals with Galen with. that are so favorable to Galen and you'll say Gabe I actually, Galen always wins you gotta stop this is the defense I'll make of that yeah. I, I think and this is one of the really cool things about Twilight Imperium I, I think almost I think maybe once or twice I've like conned Gabe but I think the vast majority of the time they're not bad deals no, for the him thing is they're, they're not, bad deals they're, for you they're not super bad deals for Gabe I think that generally they're somewhat fair but it's just the the reliability of knowing that you pretty much any time you want can talk this person into doing whatever helps you out. And Gabe also plays very strong factions a lot of the time. But it's also, like... I, it's on me. I should negotiate with Gabe better. No, no, no. Like, I'm going to continue to defend it because I think it's a conse- It's an interesting consequence of, of, of um, uh, multiplayer free-for-all games as a not-team games. Um it becomes really difficult to embargo a player, right? And this is a thing you'll talk about it. Uh, another game I play. This is Galen did a, a quotation mark sign around embargo. I think we should remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 but uh, another game I play, I've been playing more of recently, is Sidereal Confluence, which is an economic management trading game, um, which is like, and it's like intense. There is virtually no randomness in the game. Everything is public info. Nearly everything is public information. It, it's all about like finding marginal optimizations in the value of the deals that you're making. So like the guys who are really into this are like also really into the stock market. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like that kind of thing. And that is a game where something that people talk about is like, okay, if there's a really good player at the table, why don't we just like not really trade with him <laughs> and like kind of cut him out, you know? Because if you totally cut out a player, they just can't play the game and they lose. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is, and I think it also applies to Twilight Imperium, if, say you have four players at a table, if you can't get all three players to agree, then it's really beneficial for that third player who's breaking the embargo, right? 
because then he's getting all the benefit of trading with the really good player. And the really good player gets is worse off than if they were trading with everyone. But if they're but if they're significantly better, then they can still probably win because you don't necessarily need to trade with everyone. You just need one friend. And your one friend is in a way better position than the two people who are cutting themselves out of trade with one player. So yeah. it, it, the situation becomes that it's a prisoner's dilemma, essentially. That um, it's, you know, if we're trying, if you and me, Jacob, mm-hmm. are trying to cut out coal, we both have an incentive to break that deal. The, like, the way the game sets us up is to betray each other in a situation yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And I think Gabe is just more willing to to break that embargo because he's less willing to see the big picture that, like, yeah, if you don't totally cut me out, I'm going to win a lot of the times. Because I do know, like, I am good at this game, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're very fun to play with. And we should probably get to an ad break pretty soon. Um, when we get back from the ad break, we will finish talking about what our experience with the game was, what we think its strengths and weaknesses are, and ultimately rank it on the same list as The Godfather and Hurricane of Fun, the making of Wet Hot. So please uh, come back and hang out with us after the break. Thank you so much for listening to that word from our sponsors. And we are back to keep talking about TI. So we just finished talking about it. So it shouldn't be too hard to remember where we left off, considering that this is one continuous conversation. (laughs) But where Uh, did we leave off? Talking about in the universe of the podcast. Why don't you? um... (laughs) We didn't just take it. Why don't you? uh, keep going with talking about the game. I think we should. Right. Okay, all right, right. That's, that's what we're, we're doing. doing. Yeah, you shout right, out to an early lead. Galen uh, wants us to recap lead. his victory. You oh, we were talking about how you Spoilers. you were screwing around. You were you were yeah. Thought you were saying you had made mistakes, and I couldn't really understand. Yeah, we talked so. about Cole's failure and Cole's Jacob's failure trial. as the XX gen. Um, uh, XX gen. Uh, Josh. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, alright, so then the game progressed, I went through my first round, and then, you know, as the as the rounds went on, I still had the lead, but they started catching up. I, like I said, I was really focusing on the public and secret objectives, which, you know, again, were sort of my favorite part of the whole game, I'd say, and mm-hmm. um, especially when it wasn't... And and at some point, we I ran into my first combat, which was with Galen, uh... And I guess you were just trying to expand to one of my planets because I had a, a racked up a fair amount of systems. Right, there was a reason I took. I, I moved into Alio Bakal, which was our equidistant, um, and that's a that's one of the sort of lingo terms that people in the the community use to refer to a system that is equally distant from two different players' home systems. Right. So it's not an either player's slice, which is something we talked about earlier. Um, it's sort of a, an implicitly contested system. I moved into Alio Bacal because I needed, there was some specific thing. Oh, because I needed to use, so one of the yin, the yin uh, just got some updates on the codex. And this is a really cool thing that um, Dane Beltrami, who's uh, taken over the lead uh, of this game, he designed the expansion. And he started doing, releasing these codices, um, which are online content releases, which is such a cool, like, and I think really exciting thing that board games can kind of do now, that, like, they can add, just like a video game would have DLC, 
like board games can kind of have that now. And you release them totally for free. They're print and play. Um, and they add new components or replace components. So it's one of the ways that he sort of tweaked with the balance of the game by um, giving the worst factions or the components that just weren't getting used. Because it's not even close to a perfectly balanced game. There are components that never see play. And he's an official creator? Of yeah, the he's do the people, guy. Do people do this? Like, could you do this? And do people have... There's like, homebrew stuff. Homebrew stuff. Yeah. But cool. the, the thing about the codices is that because they're official, um, people play with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, tournament it's, play. It's yeah, essentially incorporate free. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the the first two codices are already incorporated into tournament play, and Codex Three probably. Would. Codex Three is actually a little more controversial. Um, the extra hero um, and the introduction of a new faction are both things that, like, people are saying maybe won't actually get universally adopted. But anyways, the point is that um, uh, the Yin just got some. They they came out of Prophecy of Kings uh, in a really bad spot. Um, they were a, just a fairly solid on the weaker side faction uh, in the base game, but their infantry combat ability was really strong. They could hold planets better than anyone else. They could right. take planets decently well. Prophecy of Kings added a couple more tools for bombardment, made bombardment stronger, so made it easier to just it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, made it easier to just bypass a ground combat entirely. Um, and also added mechs, which are a new type of ground force, which Yin can't use their faction abilities on. So as Cole discovered, in, in a lot of cases, he was more likely to beat me in a ground combat if he brought in a single mech than like a mech and a couple infantry, because I could turn his infantry into my guys and do all these sort of do all these secret secrets. Um, yeah, so I would say the mid game. Put that away. Yeah. Gail, put that away. I'm yeah, turning it off. All right, all right, good, good. He's talking about his cell phone, not his penis. For those of you who might be <laughs> might be perplexed about <laughs> what's going on have with your guests here in MSW Studios. Well, you're our first. We don't know yeah, what you're to our first guest. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know sometimes. Is, do you People ever get into the on, studio? On he, said? on he said, "What we have had guests." I would say, pull out a, a boob. You know, and a lot of <laughs> what a lot of it seems like you don't listen to the podcast. I told you this. You listen to a few, right? But those are also s- segments that we've come to you about yeah. for legal counsel. Because like, <laughs> it's like, can we play it's this? True. Or is I forgot this, about that. It's we get we get a <laughs> lot of sex toys. Yeah. Right well, and it's a lot of like kind of rowdy female comics sometimes. Right, right, I believe right. it because it's an audio only podcast. Isn't well, it? we didn't I mean, know, don't know I mean, why you were even asking. In a lot of ways, it is this. unprecedented. Like, when's the last time you've heard a podcast where someone has dropped trow? And. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't think about. That. I guess I haven't seen. I mean, like I've I've been I've been watching a little bit of um, uh, Good for You. I think Whitney Cummings podcast. Yeah. And, like, oh yeah, yeah. Really they got sex it. toys on that. Like yeah, okay, but we weren't asking about the sex toys. Okay, let's, let's yeah, go that's past okay. But it, it was that was you can. I mean, maybe in your ivory tower of law school, you don't <laughs> see why that would be. But it was a concern for all of us at the back. Anyway, you can listen. I'm to starting the to wonder how seriously you take these yeah, legal it, inquiries that we bring to you. Episode three fourteen. <laughs> it's a popular one of he said what but uh sorry back to um all this to say the mid game kind of started going in this pattern where i was playing a faction of very immobile turtles very defensive very defensive galen couldn't penetrate my defenses and so galen started picking on jacob who is sort of conflict averse and through some unique tech synergies that we probably don't need to explain in attacking Jacob repeatedly and taking his poorly defended planets, Galen was able to uh, 
begin creating a seemingly infinite stream of infantry yeah, to support yeah. the planets that he already had. And despite the fact that I had very strong space combat, my ground combat was not good enough to take his planets. Right. And so... For people who know the game well, this was... I got the Relic Mob Worlds round one. We actually each got a round one Relic. Yeah, that's really fun. That was another yeah. highlight of the game for me. It's the one time I got to put my Relics together yeah. and get a, a cool game. That's really fun. You should play NRA next time, because they're the Relic faction. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I had Mauve Worlds, I got uh, Integrated Economy, Agenda Phase Round 2, Researched Yin Spinner. So whenever I took a planet, I could fortify my old planets with dropping the Yin Spinner, guys. That was rough. Uh, one thing I wanted to, before we move on, you mentioned I was conflict-averse. I think that comes from, that was one of my flaws, my critiques with it, I think. It's just that, I don't know, maybe I'm not built for it. I don't know if it's a critique, it's just my... It's like that thing where it's like, I'm sure it makes it a good game, but it's just maybe something I bump against. Was that my aversion to the conflict? Because, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't describe myself as a pacifist, you know. I, 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 You're talking in real life or in board games? <laughs> Walls a little also above, would not describe you as pacifist. <laughs> the, um, the, the, yeah, you can listen to the old, the media, uh, he said what to know for sure, but, you know, hands go up, hands go up. And I think... In this, in but I think it's that lack of competitiveness where I only fought out of protect protecting my what right. I had. I just and I also the stakes never felt. We talked about this in the game. Yeah. It's like I don't know what's motivating me. Right. Because I don't see what, losing. It's not like losing a system. I lose a point. Right. And then I lose enough, and I'm like, oh, I'm not making any money. But right. I, I still was pretty well. Yeah. I, I I wasn't worried too worried about that, and it, and it did get a little less interesting when I only had like two systems. Yeah. But I just there wasn't a huge pressure to like I, there was a little like oh that's too bad you know when Galen yeah. come but I was like okay you know and I, I just I think that's probably more on me but like well, <laughs> I'm curious I would like to defer to you guys and your opinions on that well, I mentality. think TI is definitely not meant to be a combat first game necessarily certain yeah. objectives will come out but very rarely are the public objectives combat focused sometimes right, they'll be like right. control objectives where you need to control yeah. certain planets i think what you're highlighting probably is that especially as a first time player there can be a little bit of a disconnect mentally between what's going on on the board and the objectives because i think by late game yeah. you sort of figured out oh galen has taken so many of my planets that i don't have the resources to buy the things that right. I need to get the objectives. Well, not even. I did always have the resources. Well, you somehow scored all of, like, the public objectives very early, but yeah. then when the time came to do, like, two tech and two colors and things like that, like, ultimately, late game, had you had more planets or a stronger military force that you'd been able to buy, you would have been able to potentially, like, stop Galen yeah. or take his early. I also did benefit a lot from having all those planets. Um, it gave me a huge amount of economic power. And it was it's a, it's a situation that I actually haven't encountered in the game before where um, I, as the yin, could, was, was incentivized for purely economic reasons to take Jacob's yeah. relatively undefended planets because I had this integrated economy yin-spinner um, combo. And, and I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, I think, an unusually not precious player about my planets. Like, I was just playing in a game on TTS a couple of weeks ago. That's Tabletop Simulator, the sort of where the online community plays. Yeah. Um, I was playing the Clan of Sar, who are a famously aggressive faction. Um, and their kind of whole thing is just like, I'm going to move into my neighbor's slice and take all their planets and, like, build a, build a huge fleet while I do it. 
Um, and I made friends with one of my neighbors, which is how I like to play Sar. Make friends with one neighbor, bully the other. And when I, I like, I took a, a, an untaken planet in their slice. They hadn't even taken the planet. And they, like, flipped out at me. Like, they got really angry, which was a tactic. This is your in friend. In game or out of No, this was, this was, uh, this the one was you're the, bullying. Yeah, the one I'm bullying. No, when they get mad, like, is it? They were, like, yelling at me over the Discord. Wow. Um, and it was, a, it was a tactic. So it's um, like they're playing it up. They were. I'm. I'm pretty confident that that they're playing it up. Um, <laughs> Scary. But uh, um, and people do that. People uh, showboating is showboating. kind of the word that people yeah, yeah, use, um, or Hollywooding. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, that. Which is right. There are some very famous players who are really known for Hollywooding. The um, the sort of meme in the community in the last year has been that the player who won the championship last year, Was Teddy's cool? Jam for You. Oh, okay. Um, won at least two of his his three games. Um, by scoring secret objectives that he was like claiming like so like I cannot score this secret like there is no way it is impossible for me to score this secret objective you don't need to worry about it like I don't have a path and then he actually did have a path and ended up winning um which is like one of the classic sort of showboating yeah. ways but uh, so the, back to the original point um people people range in their attitude towards like you're taking my stuff and i'm very much on the side of like if i have more stuff than you i'm gonna take your stuff right if, if it's beneficial to me to take your stuff i'm gonna take your stuff and but the thing the is was it all but it often isn't in twilight imperium yeah. it's often so this is a weird game this was a weird game because of that i haven't encountered that situation before where i'm just like okay like neither of us desperately need this but it's I can take it and it helps me to take it. Well, there were no control objectives yeah. really. There were no because I think if there had been control objectives, objectives until, like very late game, Jacob would have wanted to fight back. I think you would have wanted to fight back if there had been objectives. Control those, like, this number of planets yeah. or control oh, this yeah. number of a specific yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of planet. It's there of, was like, control to attachments, but that's yeah, only sort but of. But there control. weren't enough attachments yeah. to, and I was able to score other things yeah. every time to where yeah. I never like had to focus on yeah. that. No, I had the only the two objectives were, I got lucky. were very strange. There's a weird set That's of objectives. Yeah. 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 Cause generally the fighting isn't, it's not as beneficial and the people that right. fight a lot don't win the game. But in this game, I think because Galen really, he just needed to keep holding Mechatol. Yeah. And he was able to do that because he was engaging in these combats in other areas. Um, so yeah, Galen won the game. Um, I don't know how much more we want to talk about. Well, let's our talk specific... about let's talk yeah. about your your continue your attempts. <laughs> I thought that as again yeah. as an yeah. outsider, I was enjoy- That's one of my highlights. Just yeah. viewing it, it was fun. It was exciting. So, it's a great narrative. I great realized narrative. very early on that not early enough on, but I realized that if Galen continued to hold Mechatol Rex, like he was inevitably going to win the game. So I knew I needed to take it. The only issue was I only had four mechs and through like the kind of like macro state that I had put myself in, it was very difficult for me to get things to mech at all. I was in like a really good financial position and so I was able to afford good ships generally. But because the maximum amount of forces I could really fight him with at a time was three to four mechs, it was super difficult. So even with the maximum amount of bombardment I could do, which was four ships plus plasma scoring, yep. and then one carrier to bring some mechs, I was totally unable to get him off Mechatol. And so repeatedly, each time I would bombard, I would reactivate, Galen would use his abilities to bring some of his infantry back from the dead, do that kind of sort of thing. I don't know like thematically exactly what's going on there, but the point is that it was like, just a plague I couldn't stomp out. And yeah. so each turn, I would say I probably did attempt it 
six or seven times. That sounds right. Yeah. Six or seven activations Maybe at five, least yeah. to bombard Galen's troops, get them off. And by the end, I think there were a couple times where you very decisively won. Yeah. There was one where I was down to zero. I had no ground forces on Makatal, but we like killed each other in the final south. Yeah. Though. Generally it was really like, one or two rolls at the very end that yeah. decided that Galen just got to continue holding yeah. back at all. And You'll also comment, and this is an yeah. interesting, this is an interesting, I think, contrast between where Cole is at as a player and where I'm at as a player. Y- you guys messed up by letting me take the strategy cards that I took. Yeah. I, I, and this is a thing I think where, there was one very clear mess up, which yeah. is why I let you take leadership. It, actually, I think it's the one where you let me take politics and imperial in yeah, the same that's round. Not good. Um, that's the one where you got those points at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got a lucky phase two draw, which was make history, which I just happened to be t- able to do. Um, I took Imperial round one, everybody. Don't you do did that take Imperial. You should have taken... Like, even Diplo would have been better. You're literally extra. I didn't read the cards. Um, or your faction abilities, apparently. No, I knew that I had the Diplo thing. Yeah. But no one took it round one. And then from that point on, there weren't really undefended planets around me, except yeah. that time at the end when I used it. Um... But so, uh, I, and that's an interesting thing where, like, me being able to take politics and imperial is to me so obviously, like, insane. Like, yeah. it's crazy that that was allowed to happen because it would never in a million years happen in the sort of, like, competitive game. Not even because they're that much better, just because, like, that's a thing that people think a lot about. Because Prophecy of Kings in particular, the expansion, has shifted the competitive meta so that speaker order in late rounds is unbelievably important so that you'll see people do these like bizarre speaker hoarding strategies where you take politics every round and even though when you're the speaker you can't make yourself speaker you make the guy to your right speaker so then you get second pick next round you just go back and forth hoarding politics because it's so important to be able to take imperial in the critical last round Um, yeah well yeah i think you're totally right because i wasn't ever really thinking it was very unclear to me how many rounds this game was actually right. going to go at almost all yeah. points in the game. Like, there was a point where I thought maybe we'd finish it up in, I think, the fifth round. Yeah. And then I think, ultimately, like, it was in the seventh round. Yeah. Like, I think the you action had a, phase that you won. I think you had a chance. You had a, a path it was like for a, a fifth round It victory. was not a huge chance. I guess it was It really was dependent on strategy problems. card picks. But, yeah. anyway, all this to say... Galen, a decisive victory, of course. Um, a, a strategic mastermind... <laughs> I'm kidding, but someone who does know the game very well yeah. and thinks a lot about um, all of the different decisions that are being made all the time. And now as we move away from talking about our specific game, I'm curious, Jacob, what your broad impressions, like, was this a fun experience for you? How would you compare this, because we're ultimately going to have to, to, like, other ways in which you've participated with other forms of media? Because while I won't say yeah. that this is, like the best board game that's ever been created or anything like that. Um, And it's also not like one game of this can really be indicative of what the experience is as a whole. I do think like you can think about what your experience was playing it and maybe like what your experience is, you know, watching a movie or, um, you know, engaging with a video game or something like that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a good time and it was, it's, it's, it's very dependent on the people. I couldn't, yeah. I shudder at the thought of doing the online stuff, you know, just because I, 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 I've never, I'm obviously not equipped mentally for that sort of uh, deal, but also just, I don't know, the fun of a board game to me is um, 
sitting around with people that you know and just sort of joking around and you know we were making totally. jokes very good jokes some probably not appropriate for the podcast I guess not not, not out of content you know just you wouldn't understand them because we're so close and I think but it's just that sort of thing and we were playing late in the night so you hit that that point of delirium which we should say that we should say that we started playing at 9 p.m. and then we're we, up until three after three playing it and, and we then woke up at 10 30 ish started playing at like 11 yeah played another hour or two yeah so that's eight, about eight hours yeah um yeah, the night was more fun for me than the yeah. morning, and especially when you cross that threshold. Before, Galen was sort of basically playing in his sleep. <laughs> uh, uh, when we were all still sort of awake and just sort of loopy, that was my highlight for me. And that was also when I was feeling a little better about the game before things took a turn for the worst. Um, I was just sort of... My highlight was when I was playing from the couch, from the couch undercovers. Yeah, sleep, that's yeah, what I, mean. that's I was like, oh, God, he's just showing up. Yeah, he quite literally was playing in his sleep. <laughs> but... Uh, that is such an important aspect of the game. And I think back on other games that I played with you guys, and I think back to like that time we played Root, you know, yeah. and that, you know, and it was such a nice day and stuff. It's just, it's a nice, it's, 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 it's a so, it's more social than like, yeah. I, I hate watching movies when I'm in that phase of, of, um, of, you know, uh, when I'm in that mental state of just like, oh, you know, sure. unless it's a bad movie, you know, yeah. that we're joking about so no but it's a social experience it's a, social it's a really experience. important thing about and i think so that's important um and maybe the most important yeah. part of it the other important things is like it was easy enough for me to sort of feel like i knew what i was doing on like some of the aforementioned games and um oh oh yeah, yeah. hates Oath. And, and rebellion too or Re- star wars Rebel, yeah which i know is surprising you listeners given how much of a star wars fan i am but it's just a little it was sort of like oh, it was sad because I wanted to understand it so much, and, and um, but you know, and so that was an important part, and also the world, the lore, the universe. You know, I can't the your stock game, board game that you were talking about. Not that it wasn't about the stock market, but you the month the sidereal. Oh, sidereal confluence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just why bother? You know what I mean? And I I struggled even with like risk and stuff back in the day, where it's like cool, but I, I you know I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the genre of it. Um, so all of that combined uh, yielded a, a, a overall enjoyable experience. Um, yeah. So I, I do it. Again. Yeah. I wanna. I wanna like focus in on the like social aspect of the game because yeah. like that's such a huge part of board games. This is something you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I and I know that like yeah, and the community. I wasn't even thinking about the community part of it that I know we were talking about earlier. Um, I know that, like, this is kind of weird coming from me being the one who, like, plays this game with strangers online. Um, But it's all about the, like, experience of it for me. Um, And I like doing the online thing every now and then because it's a a fun mental exercise. It's interesting. It's an interesting challenge for me. Um, But that's not even remotely... The, the way that I enjoy this game most. I mean, my fondest memories of this game are, like, us, like, hunkered up in college, like, in the that big round table in the common room of my dorm. Like, that stuff was great. I love that. And I think about stuff like Root. Like, when I think about my memories of playing that game, it has so much to do with where we are and the people we were with. Yeah. When we were out, when we were at, uh, you know, my, my place in the country in Cornwall, playing it there on those, like, beautiful summer days. When we were at our vacation home. Um, yeah. In, uh, in Newport. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. That was yeah. beautiful. I mean, yeah. like, it was so much fun to be in that ambiance of, like, um, we're playing this board game as a social event. Oh, that's you my know? favorite, yeah. Well, and I think 
Jacob, this isn't something that you got cheated out of necessarily, but I'm very excited for the next time that we inevitably kind of like pressure you into playing this game because the three-player experience isn't bad. I actually think that TI plays pretty well with three people. I've played with, I think, three people, four people, five people, and six people. Yeah. But... Competitively, the game is a six-player game. Yeah. But in a casual game, I think three-player games are a ton of fun, too. But I don't think anything can really compare with when you have six people. They don't even all have to be competitive players. Yeah. But when you have six people that have some kind of rapport with each other, six people that you wouldn't mind spending a day with, and you all get together in a room with a nice setup, you've got some kind of snacks going on, and you just know that you're going to all be in this room together. You're committing to this game. There's a certain element of, like... You really do have to commit because you're committing your time yeah. and you're deciding that you want to spend time with these people and over the, like, I just think that there's so few activities, especially for people like us who don't necessarily like yeah. to play sports, play a lot of sports that like you can get together and do a thing for that long. The thing that Twilight Imperium reminds me most of, Twilight Imperium to me is less similar to other board games than it is to Model UN. I was like, I loved Model UN in college. I was like a star delegate. I would go to these conferences. I would like be in the committee room for nine hours a day for a weekend, like arguing with everyone, getting my resolutions passed. And that to me is the most similar thing to Twilight Imperium because it's a, it's like a shared narrative. It's a storytelling exercise. I think ultimately all board games are, board games are, are either puzzles or storytelling devices or a combination of both, right? I think Twilight Imperium leans pretty heavily on the storytelling device side. And they're not like narrative stories. Mm. You were, we're talking a little bit about the lore, that sort of window dressing. But the story of like, Cole is trying to take me off Mechatol Rex and is trying and failing. And I'm just like scraping by by the skin of my teeth. And then I have to go scramble to like take Jacob's stuff just so I can get more guys to defend Mechatol Rex. That's a story right there. That's a story that the board game tells. And, and it's a socially constructed story that you build from this experience that you're all having together. Well, and you don't even need to be good at the game to contribute to the story. Yeah. Which is one of the thing I, things I like about TI, because so much of it is kind of random. And you can end up in a situation where, for some reason or the other, you have a lot of power without even, like, really knowing how to best use it. Totally. I'll never forget the first, I think one of the first, like, really casual games I played with my friends back home. And my friend Derek, who you all know, he was playing Sar. Man. He took Mechatol very, very early on and put everything he had on Mechatol Rex. Sar can abandon their home system. Yeah. And that was the, the only game I've ever had where the agenda came out in a very impactful way where you blow up everything. It's the artifact. Exactly. Yeah. So Derek lost everything except for like one carrier, one infantry that he had somewhere else. And for the rest of the game, after like the first two rounds looking like Derek was absolutely going to run away with it. We all made all these mistakes, which we did in allowing him to do that. The game just, like, destroyed that for Derek. And, like, the fact that that just happened, and that that was the story, and that, like, the game enabled us to share that surprise yeah. together, and all of us to realize we could vote to just ruin Derek's afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And see him have to deal with that. It was just so fun. And I, that's, would, <laughs> I would love to play with Derek. He's, he's that'd be real chaotic, yeah. And that, that's what the, the... It's sort of a newer word that people have started using on, like, SCPT. That, that's the seventh player, mm-hmm. right? That's the guy who isn't there. That's, like, Dane Beltrami in his design studio 
coming into your afternoon and being like, here's a new thing that's happening. You know, the dice and the cards create these amazing, and I think that's what Twilight Imperium is king of. I do not think Twilight Imperium is the best board game. It is not my favorite board game. I don't even know that it's a great board game. I think it probably is, but I think it's totally debatable. But I don't think it's even close to debatable that Twilight Imperium is the king of that kind of storytelling. No other game has that kind of experience, at least that I've ever played. Yeah, no, me neither. And I obviously haven't played as many board games as you have. And the last thing I'll say before we transition to where it kind of seems like we're naturally going, which is comparing an objective take on this game's overall quality, which is, of course, very possible to, to yeah. give. Um, I do want to say that I think this game rewards pretty substantially, even though it's I, I don't think it's a bad experience for new players, as Jacob, you've been talking about. I think it rewards pretty substantially repeated playthroughs, more experience, and also... Repeated playthroughs, um, you know, within less than a year of each other. I think when you when you allow yourself to become more familiar with what everything does, you can really forget about some of the um, forget isn't the right word, but because you have to worry less, you don't have about to keep keeping it in the front track, of your head. Yeah. yeah, you can kind of enjoy the story a little bit more. And I think when I it, when I'm at points in my life where I've been playing more, and I feel like I don't have to keep it in the front of my head, like you're saying, Galen the story really does become so much more rich and enjoyable yeah. because you can just kind of focus on doing something crazy for crazy's sake yeah. and not worry about like feeling like you're really making some colossal oversight or mistake. You just yeah. like can kind of relax into it. Though I want to say that that's interesting because we just brought up Star Wars Rebellion, which is in some ways kind of a similar game. Like the action system is kind of similar. It's a ships on a map game. It's a 1v1 game or your team's game. Um, but that's another game where it, being good at the game actually just has a lot to do with knowing the cards that can come out. And that's a game where I've played it, I don't know, six or seven times maybe. Um, and I'm kind of bored of it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with it. Because it's also, you know, it's a game where the cards tell a lot of the story. But unlike Twilight Imperium, it's more railroaded. The cards are more telling you like, okay, Luke can go kill the Emperor now, right? And that's a thing that comes up in a lot of games. Um, and there are a lot of games of Star Wars Rebellion, it means that it, while it is telling a really cool story, and I love the way that that game tells a story, the game is telling the story, whereas in Twilight Imperium, we're telling the story through the game. Mm. And I think that's an important mm. distinction to make because... Um, especially when you talk about the like American board games, a lot of the classic American board games are these like, um, what is it? Dead of winter, I think is the zombie one, which isn't a game I've played, but I'm sort of familiar. No, I've heard with. of it though. Um, they, these sort of like action games are like, I have a guy and I'm going on an adventure. Gloomhaven is another, have you played Gloomhaven with us? I've Cole? played Gloomhaven with you. I don't know. Would betrayal? I yeah, Betrayal counts too. And those, Betrayal and Gloomhaven are both games where the story comes from a book that you're reading, right? Which is an interesting thing. It's sort of, it's more like a choose your own adventure novel than At than least this Betrayal idea. is for yeah, sure. Betrayal is very much. Gloomhaven as well. There's a lot going yeah. on there though. Um, and not that those are bad games in any way, but like, we should also be clear that we're talking about how the story comes from these components in Twilight Empyrean, but it's not like it's coming from a script. These components are just like, it's more like an improv show almost is yeah. the analogy I would make. These are like little elements that are getting introduced into it, but the broth is the thing, right? There's this big bubbling cauldron of like narrative that we're all contributing to, and the game just throws something in whenever you need something to spice it up. Well, and I don't know that I've ever played a bad game of TI, which isn't to say I've never played a game of TI where I played poorly, <laughs> but I think TI 
each game is so different. Each yeah. table is different. The players bring so much. The game also brings so much. There's, for me, a very appealing amount of randomness. Like, yeah. you never know exactly what's going to come, even if you've played before and you have, like, a vague idea of what it could be. And for me, at least, I'm able to think about pretty much all the times I've played, which, again, isn't very many in the grand scheme of things, but, like, look back fondly and think about, oh, that's what that table was like. I remember yeah. this moment in that game. And like you're saying, I think it really does feel meaningfully distinct. I like your your description of it as sort of a broth because it feels like the game kind of brings a flavor, the players yeah. bring a flavor, and no one thing that anyone is bringing or that the game is bringing is the game. But right. all together, it really does create like a meaningful experience. Totally. Um, Though I think we should say... I've also never read a game of Twilight of Pyramid that I'm like, oh, that sucked. That was a bad game. I've seen it happen, though. Mm. You can totally have a bad game of Twilight Imperium, mm. though I would argue that that mostly comes down to what you're bringing. I think if you bring the mentality of, I'm going to have this experience with my friends, I think it's impossible to have a bad game of Twilight Imperium. I think the problems I've seen are when people maybe weren't really willing to, weren't bringing that willingness, or in competitive online games, when they were too focused on the competitiveness, when they were like, I want to win, and then something screwed them. Because that happens. Sometimes you, you get Ixthian Artifact drawn. Sometimes public execution comes out, and I've spent the last four hours planning with precision, meticulously, how I'm going to be speaker going into the final round, and I'm going to take Imperial, and I'm going to take Mechaton, I have the perfect hands of car, hand of cards, and then public execution comes out, and the table executes me, and I'm not speaker anymore, and I'm fucked. <laughs> My whole game, the last four hours, were just gone. And if you can't approach that with humor, and like take, you, if you can't roll with the punches that the game is going to bring, you might have a bad game. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good game, Jacob? I had a good game. I was just thinking about yeah about that. I, I definitely had a good game. Um, I I'm I'm thinking about just comparing ultimately comparing this to other forms of media, and trying how how to bypass the obvious issues that crop up with own, our own personal preference for formats in general. Right. Where it's like, uh, you know, we're very fortunate today to have a guest who has seen at least one of the things we've reviewed. And I know Galen loves The Godfather, but I, I'm pretty sure you like board games more than movies. I'm not a movie guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, whereas I'm the other way around, and yeah. I like games in general. This is speaking, like, I, I, I used to, like, I'm not an expert when it comes to board games or video games, but I'll totally prefer doing one of those if I had, like, a, back in the day when I'd have, like, friends over and stuff. It yeah. just made more sense to me than sitting down in the middle of the day and watching TV. You know, movies are sort of a, a solitary... Exp the only time I really feel like it's great to have other people watching something with you is when you're going to the theater and it's like a whole event. You get dinner beforehand and that's sort of when it gets the most social it can get. But, you know, my brother and I would always have a thing where he, he always wants to watch stuff together when I'm at home and I'd always prefer to hang out or do something a little more active. And, you know, I... I I'm exaggerating when I say this, but it's really like it doesn't make a difference whether I'm watching something with you or not. Because that's not the case. You watch comedies and stuff and you like laughing at the same things or things that, you know, we were watching, checking out a great movie called The Last Samurai last night and we were having a great time watching it together. Yeah. Um, and we were laughing at it and predicting yeah. where it would go. And that's so movies can cross over into the the social at the camaraderie atmosphere to, to talk you know but I am going to finish watching The Last Samurai when I get home alone oh yeah 
I might wait until the next time you come. Should I say? Should I say? (laughs) What I think you're getting at, though, Jacob, is that I think with a game like Twilight Imperium, it feels not only fair but necessary to include the social experience of it in how we would rank it in a list. Exactly. Whereas with something like The Godfather, I think it would probably be inappropriate to say that our physical setup when you and I watched it can contribute to like what the godfather objectively is on our list of rankings. No, I think I have to disagree with you actually. Like I think I think media in general and I'm not a media studies guy. I'm not really a media guy, but I think that like film criticism and whatnot gets does get caught up in the lie that a movie has objective essence independent of the experience of people watching it and and, and i gotta wear my wear my my uh my heart on my sleeve here I, that's not the right expression i gotta it's i gotta show my cards i like showing your cards yeah, yeah, that feels like where you're i gotta going. come with my hat in my hand whatever it's something isn't something yeah, yeah, that yeah. shows that i'm 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 revealing my honest you gotta self take your dildo out yeah i gotta take my dildo out and wear it right in the preapis. <laughs> Um, this guy, Jacob, ask him about Priapus. Or, or, um, or just listen to the podcast. Did you, you do a Priapus episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I gotta listen to that. Will you send me that after the... Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, but anyways, like, I, I'm a theater guy, right? Like, my background is in theater, actually. Um, and I think theater is so much, like, it's so much about the experience in the place, right? And I think there was a time when theater critics were trying to ignore that. When theater theater critics were trying to like take a theater as an ex- take a, a play a play. production as an objective work of art, and I just I don't think you can do that, I and agree. I don't think you can do it with movies either. I think we bring things to movies, we watch it in a place in a physical setting. Our memory of movie might just be like what's happening on screen, but that's not what we're seeing. I agree. We're seeing the people around us and the but, stuff around. Us. But I think it's easier to remove that when you're reviewing it's easier. that yes. than board games, well, obviously, and, and even theater. I don't even know that we need to re- re- remove it, but I do feel like with something like a movie or a novel, or even if you were going to say like the script of a play, yeah. it exists in a static way right. where different people can come from different venues and look at it in different ways, yeah. but we're all engaging with something that is the same thing yeah it's the same movie right and so i think in, you know our godfather episode yeah. we talked about our experience like what edition we watched yeah. and the parts that we laughed at and, like, and, and i think i want to be clear that the only thing that i'm objecting to is the idea that that you can objectively review no, it yeah. no yeah. We, you know? that, that's the whole purpose yeah. of this podcast is to objectively well no review we can rank everything them. we can rank them and i do agree with that them. Yeah. but i don't know that that we can take the movie as independent of, of experiences i yeah but I do think I mean, it's hard to thing, argue yeah. that we are the two most qualified people. Oh, to I'm not arguing that at all. Rank you can all do it better. Yeah. yeah. Will you um? Will you bring me back for when you do um? Sark being a nothingness. I'd like to be part of that conversation. It's yeah, on the list. We'll, we'll make that way. The longest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do that in a couple of years. Um, uh, well, you're, yeah, you're gonna come back for. Yeah, well, you're, you've been a great guest. This isn't the end of it yet, because we still have a lot to... Or we still have some we still have to, right, to take care of. Let's, let's go for it. Uh, let's, let's, let's... So remind me of your rankings as you have them now. Uh, number one is Godfather. Okay. The best piece of media of all time. Yeah. Number two is Hurricane Fun, which you probably can't speak to. So yeah, right. I mean, could you give me, like, t- like the 15-second rundown of Hurricane Fun? Like, what's your take on it? It seems... If you want an hour, 48-minute rundown, to listen to the fucking podcast, Jalen. 
It's it's a documentary about Wet Hot American Summer, which was it's 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 a bunch of footage that hadn't been un, okay. that hadn't been shown until the revival series came out in twenty fifteen, and a director who had shot a bunch of footage from the production of Wet Hot American Summer, which is this really sort of backyard garage bandy like yeah f- uh, sh- production yeah uh, just was filming the production cool. the filming of it. And so you have all these, like, you have Paul Rudd when he's cool. Amy Poehler and blah, blah, when they're really young. And it, but it, it's really strung together in sort of a way that it's like, oh, this was never really meant to be a documentary until now. So it had this sort of slapdash feel, which Cole and I sort of bumped up against. Um, right. Especially in comparison to The Godfather. Yeah, well, that explains why it's the worst piece of media of all time. Yeah. But we are curious to check out some of Amy Rice's other material. Yeah, so. I, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Uh, okay. I'll say it. I think The Godfather, to me, is still above this. And I will admit that I have a different relationship to The Godfather than both of you do, and that I've seen it more times than either of you have. And like, But it is a movie that I am sort of able to look at. Like, my experiences watching it have never been the highlight of The Godfather for me. It's always been the, the movie itself. Yeah. You know, I, I think I watched The Godfather for the first time on a laptop on a, on a, road, <laughs> on, on a road trip. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just, um, but I just think it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it's the cream of the crop, you know? Well, I'm not saying the Twilight Imperium is better than the Godfather necessarily, but I want you to go on a journey with me. Is the Godfather your favorite movie? No. Or even like in your top 10 personal favorite movies? No, not personal favorite. Does the Godfather have like much personal significance to you, would you say? I think it's made my life better. Sure. Sure. I think a lot of things have made my life better. But what I'm trying to get at is that I feel like we need to divorce. Because for me, and again, I'm not saying Twilight Imperial is necessarily better than The Godfather. But for me, a lot... I don't know that if I had seen The Godfather one time, that The Godfather had none of the cultural relevance that it does right now, that The Godfather would necessarily stand out to me as anything more than a very, very immaculately made movie. I think I would enjoy the movie a lot, but I don't know that The Godfather in any universe that I exist would have a lot of personal significance to me beyond making my life better and the way that many great movies have done. That's interesting. And I think Twilight Imperium gives you some remarkable experiences. And I, I, I just watched The Godfather for, for, for the first time right. a couple weeks ago, independently of, of, of yeah, you guys yeah, doing yeah, it, actually, yeah. which is funny. Did you guys think of it because of the 50th anniversary? Because I know that's why I I'm sure that's it. why it was in the back of yeah. our minds. Yeah. But I think we actually just thought it would be interesting to contrast yeah. something like The Godfather with Hurricane of Fun. Yeah. Rice, right, did Hurricane of Fun? Amy Rice. Yeah, yeah, I'm not super familiar with her work. And I do think that that's, like, it's sort of a different direction to take it, but I think... The Godfather, like, people talk about Coppola all the time and how this yeah. is, like, Coppola's, like, an auteur of this. And I do think it's an interesting comparison when you, you know, Christian T. Peterson, the guy whose name is on this box, he didn't contribute too much to this thing, but there is an authorship, you know, like, the legendary, legendary board game designer Christian T. Peterson, like, did, like, bring something and create something artistic with this. And I think we do have to acknowledge that, um, in addition to just talking about the experiences, like I, I think the experience is the most important thing, mm-hmm. but I do think that there is also a real like artistic work here in Twilight Imperium. I think that it's my favorite part of Twilight Imperium, 
I don't think it's better than the artistic work of The Godfather, and also, I think... I think the artistic work of Twilight Imperium is substantially worse than the artistic right, work of The Godfather. Right, I would Godfather. agree with that. But, but I, I think, think we have to talk about I it. I think, I'm not, so I'm not, that's that. Yeah. I think the one thing that's making me maybe understand where you guys are coming from is the social aspect yeah. of it, which is, it's just hard to say, like, oh, I like The Godfather better than I like hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's, that's, it comes off as an insult. But... It's a little dickish. I, I, it's a little, little dickish. I think what it comes down to me is like, <laughs> to be full, perfectly honest, it wasn't the best time I've had with you guys. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was just, it was, a, it was a fun experience to go through, just like going to the museum the other day was, you know? Um, Are you guys doing the math? Does that, do you count that? I mean, we're trying we to figure out. count. It might more be like a home, Winslow Homer exhibit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we also yeah. might do like a season. Like we've talked about oh, doing a season yeah. on a different... That's kind of cool. Yeah, we'll yeah. be to work out So the Met could one. be a season. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll each be. floor. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking like you're going to do a season where you do museums. Like do a genre No, season. we intend to. I, that's It'd be cool, hard though. to do a whole season on museums because then each museum is one episode. And I think to do one episode on the Met would be difficult. Difficult. I think um, it's difficult to do one episode on Twilight Imperium. I think so, too. But I think people understand that, uh, you know... We're doing our best. <laughs> and, and, and our best that, is excellent. And that we're yeah. going to be right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh, so, let me, let me just make yeah, the case, yeah, right? Yeah, make the case. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather is an immaculate movie. And I, I, I wouldn't even begin to argue that, like, the quality of the artsmanship and the craftsmanship that go into The Godfather is worse than Twilight Imperium. It's not it just close. isn't. Twilight Imperium is a profoundly flawed game. It is imbalanced. There are things... I don't like the competitive meta after Prophecy of Kings. I think Prophecy of Kings made playing the game competitively less fun. Even I like think it's the stale. art of Twilight Imperium I think is really good. Not all of it. It's pretty generic. Yeah. Yeah. The lore is interesting but incredibly generic and forced at times. Um, it is it is it is really complicated, and it some of that is unnecessary. Some of it is complexity for the sake of complexity, and I think that has to be considered a downside. But <laughs> this is the mid review turnaround. The social experience is unparalleled, right? Like so truly, and I like I'm not like playing TI with you guys was really fun, but that's not my favorite memory that yeah. I've done that I've had with you guys. Yeah, yeah. But some of my fondest memories from high school and college are playing this board game. Like genuinely, some of the most iconic things that I think about in my college experience are us all standing around the table, me getting into a bitter argument <laughs> with someone. We still we still reference. Things that happened. Were you there at the Mendel sushi Gabe game? And the sushi. Oh, it was, was Gabe so and Seamus. It was the Sorry, twin yes, brother. Gabe and Seamus. Yeah, one of them. Uh, <laughs> one of them bought sushi, bought two things of sushi, and it was going to give one to the other. Well, Gabe, I think, even asked him yeah. to get him some sushi. Yeah. So he left in the middle of. That's how long this game is. He yeah. left to get sushi. Came back with two things of sushi. Yeah. And so Seamus comes in with two things of sushi. Seamus doesn't even really like sushi. It's just like what they had. And Gabe just like grabbed one, like without asking, you know. And Seamus was like, that was rude. And then they got in a fight about it and proceeded to eat, Seamus proceeded to eat both things of sushi, right? And then Gabe spent the rest of the game embargoing Seamus in the game 
then they were at war for the next four hours in the board game, throwing in, you know, throw, blowing up the entire narrative thing that we had been and doing. And to be clear, they were actually mad at each other. They were bitterly mad at each other and took it out on each other in this board game and still bring it up in the board game. <laughs> One of the reasons Gabe has king-made me over Seamus, he has explicitly said, is because of the sushi, which was years prior, Right. I mean, that is such, to me, like, that is such an iconic, like, beloved and cherished memory that could only come from a board game. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I love that. I love that you feel that way. I think, uh, <laughs> it's, I do, I, it does, it does warm my heart to hear about this stuff that I wasn't a part of. To, <laughs> to know, no, seriously, it's fun. It's fun. It's great to talk about. I think, I really, and I really wish I could give this to you guys, but it's just like... At the end of the day, first of all, like the yeah, there's no social component, but like, my, let's t- let's take it from my perspective, which is it, it like your guys' enjoyment of it is like something I'd liken to someone watching Hurricane of Fun who loves Wet Hot American Summer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you guys have done work to understand this game at a point where you can enjoy it that much. The Godfather is instantly more accessible hmm. to people than Twilight Imperium is. And I will say, like, the 42 minutes I spent trying to get to a point where I could understand your instructions, you teaching yeah. me. Well, don't I, get too into that, because that's going to be... Your no, that's another thing. But I'm just saying that that homework I had to do was <laughs> a lame part of my It's day. homework. Yeah. You know, it's homework. And so the work that you have to do, it's one thing that when we compare board games to board games, it might make me rank a, bo- a simpler board game above this, yeah. you know, like Root, but we, we shouldn't talk about that. But just know yeah. that's the high bar for me. It's, right. That's still much better than this. But um, the accessibility is, is one thing where it's like, I respect the work you guys have put in the podcast you listen to to get to a point where you can enjoy it in that way. And I don't know what uh, other people have, but uh, that to me is like my enjoyment of it from someone on the outside, you know, it was fun. I had a good time, but like it wasn't nearly as, I don't think it was as good of a time as you guys had. Because there yeah. was a layer I couldn't I yeah. couldn't nibble at, which was like the what was going on up there. So I was just enjoying the social dynamics of someone. It's like what's going on, and like uh, you know, oh, what's what's this? What's that? Blah 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 blah. And like seeing you guys do your business and blah blah blah, and me sort of, sort of throwing a wrench in it from time to time. But mostly like the bits that would evolve from it. You know the uh, you know the voices we would put on to play the characters and stuff. And you know <laughs> we won't get into that. Uh, you know we Not all that they were fools in a, of ourselves. Yeah. It's just you but, wouldn't understand the right, voices. right, and you know, spacehead and all that good stuff that came out of it was just those were to me what makes this fun. All right, look, I'm not saying I want to put Twilight Imperium on the guy, but I do feel like we're setting a dangerous precedent if accessibility is like something that we're expecting these things to meet. Like, think about the amount of time you spent learning English so that you no, can like that's read not novels. a good. That's a bad. That's a Sure, but, but I'm then just saying, how are you like, gonna rank Murakami? With translation. Isn't that a different thing? Well, we'll probably have to rank both. We'll probably have to yeah. learn Japanese and rank yeah. both. But w- what I'm gonna say is, I just feel like, in order to engage with something, with any form of media, I feel like the more time that you put into it, I think you're gonna understand the references more. You're gonna better understand what it's doing. You're gonna be able to better appreciate what it's doing in contrast to other right. things, right? I agree with what you're saying to the extent, like, if you feel like Twilight Imperium is less enjoyable to a great number of people, and that the amount of work that you put in didn't necessarily, like, 
pay off 100% in the same yeah. way that like the amount of work one would have to. I, I get what your argument is. I just don't want it to, us to end up in a situation where we are rewarding things that require less of an initiatory period to enjoy. I, think, I agree that that's risky, but I think, and I'm not saying, but I think we viewed Hurricane of Fun, part of what makes that review interesting is because it is viewed in a vacuum. And uh, uh, listeners, and it, check it, out that, Hurricane that, of Fun. That episode. 100% influenced our final take on it. Um, and I don't think, I think The Godfather, it would be great to know a ton about his, that history, and I think I'd love The Godfather even more. I'll be interested to hear your episode on the offer. Yeah, right. Right, which, yeah, which is coming up at some point. But uh, I think that's just a mark of a better thing, which is, and it's not, I'm not giving it points for accessibility, but I just think the fact that it's, 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 it's just the, the, it's not that it's more accessible that I think it's better. It's just that the betterness is more accessible. So there's more that I can recognize that's good about that than Twilight Imperium. Because if I were to, the best thing about Twilight Imperium Honestly, it's stuff that you guys brought to it and not what the game brought. That's fair. I mean, and, and I think... I, I actually think that the accessibility thing is totally valid. Because I also think it's really important to acknowledge that 98% of people are never going to get anything out of Twilight Imperium because they don't give a shit about this, like, pretty obscure board game. Well, that right? feels more of, like, an impact point than, like, accessibility. But I, 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 think, it's, I think it's both. I mean, I think there's a, there's a reality of the impact, but I think... The, the impact of Twilight Imperium is in part, the limited impact of Twilight Imperium is in part caused by its inaccessibility. Sure. Yeah, and, sure. and I think that's a valid thing to consider when you're talking about what's that. I mean, I don't know what your criteria are, right? Yeah, I mean, they're very clearly defined. Yeah. We haven't revealed them yet, yeah. necessarily, yeah. but we have very clearly right. So to be clear, criteria. I'm just like throwing this out and you guys will put it in the box and churn it sure, and the yeah. sausage will yeah. come out, right? Um, but like, I, to me, that seems like a totally valid thing to consider. I, and I think... When it comes down to it, I think you have to give a lot of credit to craftsmanship. And I think you have to give a lot of uh, craftsmanship to Coppola that you just can't. But also, just uh, here's the other thing that to me might like sort of makes the social, the lack of a social dynamic, it's a fair fight. Is where the, the Godfather to me, there's so many phenomenal performances in The Godfather. Like beyond the craftsmanship that it can compare to Twilight Imperium with, which is like the writing and the visual style and stuff, there's no acting in Twilight Imperium other than us playing the characters. And I hate to say it, but Pacino is a better actor as Michael than all of us. You know, just, there's so many performances of Godfather that to me I do think about often. Yeah. Honestly, it's my favorite part of the Godfather might just be the acting. The script's great, but I, you know, we found flaws in the script too, that, or things we didn't love about the script. Um, but it's just the acting is the one thing. We, there's so many, there's such a variety of great performances that are great for different reasons that um, I just, I, you know, I just think there's nothing in Twilight Imperium that compares to my enjoyment of those performances and that I will think about like I do with those performances because I do think about them all the time when I see any performance or when I've performed it myself. It's like those are, you know, those are so... Um, that's that's a whole other level, which to me makes it no contest. But Well... You know, I think I, I somewhat agree with what you're saying, but I also do feel like, again, comparing a book to The Godfather, for instance, yeah. like, is the book inherently worse? Like, if a screenplay 
is equally good, we decide. No, but a, a book needs to bring something which... Which the screenplay which, can't do. No, a book... Yeah, right. But a book... I think when I, when I compare it, yeah. like a book, there needs to be some X factor. Right. That like which, the other form of media couldn't produce. Right, you're that's saying what's Twilight fun about comparing media to... any X factor right. that The Godfather It came close with yeah. the social aspect of it. When but, it right, social, okay. But, yeah. but, um, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that like that's... Like, I'm coming from a perspective where I'm not a big movie guy. That is not my experience with The Godfather, and it's not my experience with any movie. Like, if we're talking about what I like, my personal preferences, Twilight Imperium would undoubtedly be ahead of any movie. That's fair. No movie could produce the things that Twilight Imperium produces. And I like the things that Twilight Imperium produces better than what a movie produces. So I think it's important to acknowledge that you're also coming from a place where movies are a big thing for you, right? Movies are a big thing for me, but in a, it's it, I, I'm having trouble with this comparison too because, like I said, there are times where I'm like, a game would be much preferable at this time with these people yeah. than a movie. Like a movie is just a different, even TV, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, Let's talk about pacing. Let's talk about something where we can actually compare the two, like, That's directly. Because right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you had a very valid criticism yeah. early the front, in the episode. Oh, front-loading, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny, it's just I don't think about it as Paisley did. Uh, yeah, I stand by it. I think it's a little more egregious, the, pay, the, pay, or, uh, the front-loading in, in Twilight Imperium than The Godfather, because Cole was really the one who didn't like the back half of it but I did I, I did agree that the front half is better but I don't think the back half is such a I didn't think the back half was bad yeah um uh <laughs> I just think the godfather save for some of the stuff we you know we're like well, what's with that you know um is like immaculate and there, there are a few I've seen it so many times I'm surprised that I haven't had a time where I'm like like even the Sicily part which is probably my least favorite it's like a dip in the movie for me it goes by quick enough that I'm and it cuts back to New York enough that I'm like great you know I'm having a good time um what were your lulls like in Twilight Imperium Twilight Imperium uh Enough to fill this dead air. I really should have written. Yeah yeah we'll cut this dead air I really should have taken notes during it uh they were just in the back, like when it was just when there was that feeling of like uh, impotence, you know, yeah. of uh, uh, just like not to be confused with our episode on impotence. From yeah, he said what, but the feeling of impotence of like I can't, which I got more than you guys did, of just like I just don't, you know, I'm gonna pass because I don't have anything, you know. Right. I'm just looking for the secondary actions from the strategy cards just to get feel something, you know what I mean? Um, it was just. And also, but that conflates with like it was in the morning, and we were trying. We were all like, "All right, we should wrap." This yeah, up, you know what I mean. Can I make? A, can I? Can I ask you a question about that though? Yeah. Has a movie ever made you feel impotent? Like I can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think impotent's the right word. Uh, it's I, movies have made me feel like, like I'm going crazy. Like I can't deal with this. Interesting. You know? Like yeah. I've, I remember seeing like Transformers Four in the theater, Cars Four, or whatever, and just being like, I need to get out of here yeah. I can't because I'm seeing it with somebody yeah. you know and that's the only thing I can kind of compare it to which <laughs> makes it seem like worse than it was because those are some of the worst movie experiences yeah. I've ever had this is not one of the worst experiences I've had well because I think that's kind of interesting like to me it, it's it. actually like kind of cool it's not like if the whole game I'm feeling this like impotence because I've totally felt that in Twilight impotence. the impotence of like I just can't do what I want to do like yeah. I'm impotent in this situation yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think that's kind of cool. Like, as long as it's not, like, yeah, it's too part of much game. of it. Yeah. But, I, like, I think that's a, it's really neat that the board game has this capacity to produce, like, a whole range of emotional responses. Some of which I think a movie, like, other than the sort of, like, out of context thing of, like, I just want to leave this goddamn yeah. thing. Like, I think it's cool the way the Twilight Imperium can yeah. produce that within the confines of the thing. Yeah, the pacing, like, it wasn't as much of an issue. Like, I've played board games where I, I have been, it's been more like a movie where I'm like, yeah. I don't want to play this anymore. And Twilight Imperium, when I did feel, ugh, I was yeah. like, I can keep playing. Though, you know? though, I think we have to acknowledge that a three-player game probably has better pacing than a six-player game because yes. you have more uptime. Six-player game, there are three more people who you have to wait for but your turn. But I didn't mind, I liked, because yeah. also there's, I would do stuff during your turns too, yeah. whether I was plotting or getting things for, you know what yeah. I mean? I didn't mind as with other games um, when it was someone else's turn. I'd like to draw our attention to action, right? We've talked a little bit about pacing. Yeah. We're not going to be able to get, yeah. you know, have like a profound discussion about any of this, but talking about action really briefly, I'm thinking about the moment in The Godfather when Michael and the baker are standing on the porch, right, outside the hospital. Yeah. yeah. The it's limousine or the yeah. car or whatever pulls up. And in that moment, I felt very, very tense. I'm curious, Jacob, how you felt in, say, the moment where I was one dice roll away. We were going to see, you know, those final dice rolls that one time where oh. we were all on the edge of our seat to see if I could get Galen off Mechatol before he played Imperial. Of course, he was going to win anyway. Yeah. But I do remember feeling a moment with you two where we were all kind of very yeah. anxiously awaiting what the result of this dice roll was. And for me, the the feeling that was produced was very similar to what I felt at, like, the high moments of The Godfather. I think, I'm going to be perfectly honest and put my, take my dildo out, I think it was more tense playing that than I felt during The Godfather. Yeah. I know what happens in The Godfather, so it wasn't a surprise. But I weirdly... It, you have more personal stakes in the board game. You have more personal stakes. Well, I had no stakes in that, and we've talked about how yeah. like, that was, like, the one moment of tension in the game. I didn't feel tense whenever you were attacking yeah. me I was sort of because of that detachment but you I just was so into this because it was really like gambling you know um, or like when you <laughs> tried to go through that asteroid field or whatever Geographic. and lost yeah. everything oh. and you should have the odds were in your favor and you still oh. it still screwed up those moments were just sort of fun in like a way of like watching like or playing poker you know what I mean which if I'm being perfectly honest it takes it's hard for movies as much as I love movies and TV I sort of do get... It's rare that a movie will make yeah. me feel that. Like, people always talk about, like, oh, for me, it's more like, oh, my God, they, I, you know, I watching... Un, well, Uncut Gems, anyway. Uh, they'll, they'll talk about movies yeah. and they'll be like, I was at the edge of my seat. I'm rarely feeling those real emotions during movies. It's more for me just, like, it's in the, this, this feeling I get of just, like... You know, I'm never... Verisimilitude right. is never such that I'm, like, I feel like I'm in the movie. You know right. what I mean? It's but you're appreciating this But I'm appreciating thing, you know, Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, I got to take my hat off and give that to yeah. games in general of just like, yeah. you know, seeing you two go at war. I was just like, and I just, yeah. because you are a part of it, even though like a lot of the, the conflict was between Cole and I in that game, like you're still absolutely a factor in all of it. You were yeah, using yeah, your yeah, agent, you were funding Cole. You like that? Like that's real. I was less involved myself because yeah, it does affect the whole game, but it was really more just like. You guys were rolling dice, yeah, and I kind of understood what was going on. It's yeah. like so much that I could understand, like what a good roll was and what a bad yeah. roll was, and for whatever reason, I was just at the edge of my seat because yeah. it just—it is that thing of like, is it going to work or not? Well, 
That's a good point. I, I appreciate you conceding a little bit there. Now I'm going to concede a little bit and say that even though I personally would prefer to play Twilight Imperium over Watch The Godfather, yeah. I do think that The Godfather's <laughs> cultural impact and craftsmanship can't really be denied. Yeah. And that, for me, it's not really difficult to say that in the list of, you know, in our holistic ranking of every piece of media ever, I do think that The Godfather should be ranked right. above Twilight Imperium. You know what it almost yeah. is like? Because I agree, I would rather play Twilight Imperium yeah. today again than yeah. watch The Godfather again. But a better comparison to me is, would I rather play Twilight Imperium again today? You compared it to improv. Or would I rather watch those guys that made The Godfather improvise in The Godfather-esque <laughs> well, movie? Well, I mean, why don't we just... Compare it to... Have you seen Godfather 2? We have not seen we Godfather 2. Did you no, see it? I, none of us have seen yeah, Godfather no. 2. Maybe we have you back for Godfather 2. I would, much, <laughs> I would much rather watch Godfather 2 today than... than yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I would rather play T.I. probably than watch Godfather 2, but I can concede that, sure. Like, yeah. I think The Godfather is better. I think I would lean towards Godfather 2 there. Yeah. But you also... The funniest thing is, last thing I'll say, you, I think you like The Godfather more than I do. Which is insane. I think in my personal ranking of movies, and again, I only saw it for the first time like three or four weeks ago, so it, it needs time to percolate. A recency bias. But yeah, there's a, there's a big recency bias for sure. Yeah. Um, but in my personal rankings, Godfather, I think almost undoubtedly is in the top ten. Of your favorites. Of my favorite movies, yeah. yeah. yeah and I'm not great. a big movie guy, so that's kind of less significant. Because yeah. it's, it's not as important a thing for me. But like, I think it's totally up there. Uh, yeah. With uh, Roger Eggers' The Northman and... Um, uh, Interstellar. Yeah. I thought you were going to say everything, everywhere, all at once, and like all the movies that our listeners would have access to that are on your top ten list have come out in the past <laughs> two months. <laughs> the first movie, so was, uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, my ranking is just chronological in the order. Okay. I think I it's fun them. that you like both of these things more than I do, because like I'm not putting up a Twilight Imperium poster yeah, in my yeah. office, you know what I mean? But you're putting up a Godfather poster in yours. Yeah, it's kind of a bit, though. Yeah, no, it's definitely funnier to put up a... Yeah. yeah, yeah. A T.I. poster is like it's like that's like a that's like a babe repellent where's godfather's we actually didn't we get an email like this was like 50 episodes ago but like oh, the no. um red flag deal breaker thing yep, with that yeah, girl yeah, whose yeah, boyfriend yeah. had the godfather poster godfather over the bed oh no yeah, way yeah, yeah. he put it over the bed and she did break up with she him break up. yeah but i mean yeah he was like, willing you, to see, you were we were both kind of like it's not great yeah. I don't know. Sophie was really... Yeah, and you were pushing more... You two were pushing more towards, like, break up with him, whereas yeah. I was like, maybe talk about it first, you know, because maybe there's a world where he's, like, he genuinely likes it. Yeah. So but I could about, appreciate the humor of, yeah, that was a red flag. So red what flag about, you know, I don't know, how, how do they start their dear, dear, dear Cole and Jacob and Sophie? How do they start their emails? Yeah. Dear Cole and Jacob and Sophie, my boyfriend has a Twilight Imperium poster over our bed and he won't take it down. Well, I think this gets to why the godfather probably should be ranked higher is i think we would never include that email in the show because the amount of work we'd have to do to get someone to explain what that is is so much whereas the godfather instantly all of our listeners kind of know cultural so you're putting a lot of weight on impact and significance and craftsmanship i think if it was just impact and significance it's more just the impact but i think the craftsmanship in the case of the godfather is largely what has allowed it to have the cultural significance which isn't always the case of these classic movies i would argue now i think we can have a slightly briefer conversation about whether twilight imperium should go above or below hurricane because i do think we're all in agreement that godfather is number one well first let's do numbers yeah Uh, oh how we would rank twilight imperium okay so it's a one to 100 scale okay so I'm trying to think of what my Chris Maloney was in Twilight Imperium. Oh, yeah. Your I what guess, now? 
Listen to the podcast. This is, we don't have time to explain this to you. In this game of Twilight Imperium, I think my Christopher Maloney was probably Brother Mylor. Your favorite part? Is scene stealing? Well, he stole scenes, yeah. He fucked my whole game. Okay, up. I'm coming... That's fair. I'm coming at it from a different angle of, like, the bet. Like, does it have to be a person? I don't think so. I kept it as a person, but I'm curious I'm gonna, what you're going to say. I think for this early episode, maybe I can be a little flexible with it. My... Just because I also don't think it's gotten enough love, and I did like it, is the phase. What was it when we're voting on? The agenda, the agenda phase. phase. The agenda phase. I think that okay. deserves some love, and that I, was some of my favorite part of that. Based on my inference of what a Christopher Maloney is, I yeah. think mine was the grab rift. Oh, like the best moment. Okay, yeah. yeah. The me trying to travel. I think that was a scene stealer. I yeah. think the grab rift stole that scene. It's more like a... Yeah, all right. Really Brother Mylor stole my game. Anyway. All right, let's do the numbers, yeah. All right, so Twilight Imperium... I mean, it's hard. Like, right, is this, is, is, is it my personal, I mean, I guess the Godfather. This is your personal. I gave a 90. But I was trying to be objective with that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you were? Kind of. I think you can. What do you give? Godfather, I gave like a 93, 94. Okay. I should really make a list of this. I mean, honestly, if I try to divorce some of my personal affection for Twilight Imperium from my ranking, I think I would probably also give it a 90. And then just acknowledge that I think that the gra- the Godfather is a better kind of ninety because I don't think I can say that Twilight Imperium goes above a ninety and in good faith put it below the Godfather, but I also don't really have it in my heart to rank it in the eighties. Yeah. And so I want to say that for me, I think Twilight Imperium is a ninety again for me. I don't think it's like a ninety in terms of like yeah. how well it's designed, but I can acknowledge that it should be below the Godfather, which is also a ninety. I'd put it. It feels. I'm going to put it at 80. For some reason, some a voice in me is telling me to say 81. It just feels like a right number. Okay. But I, I, I just, another voice is saying it should be in the 70s. So I'm going to put it at an 80. Yeah. Um, I did like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, it's low 80s. I think that may, that's, that, that's surprising to me that I'm ranking it lower than, than Cole. But, like, I would say like 84. Twilight Imperium is, is not my favorite board game. I don't think it's the best board game. I think it just like the only thing that Twilight Imperium has uniquely is the the epic scale and experiences that only it can create. Well, see, I'm factoring in a lot of those experiences, but also a lot of my lack of familiarity with other probably better yeah. designed board games. Yeah. I know they exist, right. and some of them I've played once or twice. But for me, when I think about like serious board games that I'm going to sit down and play with my friends right. and like spend an afternoon playing, like for me, Twilight Imperium is that game. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, that means I would just, like, in another world or, you know, yeah. in future years, like, enjoy playing other games more, probably. Right. But for me right now, T.I. is a 90. Right. That's fair enough. All right, let's put it in the list. Uh, great. Yeah. So that, by default, because we both ranked it, I think... But I also don't think this has to be... Yeah, yeah. yeah. ...higher than Hurricane of Fun. Yeah, I think so. it's pretty much number two by default. All right, so right now the list as it stands is Godfather, 1972. Yeah. Twilight Imperium 2017. With the Prophecy of Kings expansion 2020. Oh, okay. And then Hurricane of Fun 2015. Yeah. That's a solid list so far. I don't think many would argue with it. I was worried you guys were going to somehow get. I could tell that you were worried because you were getting upset in your your (laughs) demeanor about it. (laughs) Body language expert, Cole. That's my favorite segment of the ones I've listened to. The body Body language language expert. Yeah. That's more than just an episode. You know that, though, right? No, the segment. I like when you do that segment. Oh, segment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We do that a lot. 
I think I've listened to like three of that segment. I think just, maybe, just that yeah, segment. I think I maybe have listened to more of Body Language Expert. Than so either we have a lot of issues legally with that segment, or you're like, <laughs> no. So I'm not counting the things that you've been like. Okay, hey, so can you you're like, just okay, looking no. for body. You seem to have body. Body language issues. I got body language issues. No, no. no I just, just like the episodes you click on. Just have that segment. I, I we do that. Segment why? I, it's pro- I it's actually probably like I feel like I've seen more like YouTube clips of you guys. Like you know those uh, people who upload just the like the, like there's the, no video. The it's just like, yeah, like, it's just the photo of you guys. Speaking of, you should get on because that's. That's probably benefiting us. I think it is. Like, like honestly, I think it is benefiting you. Like, it's because it's it's in my algorithm. Like, af- I think it's like after you guys will send me something. Like, it's in it my algorithm. So I'm like, oh, I'll click. I'll, like, body language expert Cole. That's funny. I'll click. Also, on that. full yeah. disclosure, I have watched those videos and sent them to people. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just easier. It's, it's easy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, this yeah, isn't a commercial. to be more shareable. Yeah, I mean, we do that. We we always tell our listeners to, you know, tag a friend so you like share an Instagram story of like you yeah. listening or watching it, yeah. and like you know, tag a friend you think might enjoy it. Which yeah. hey, if you um, know a friend who might enjoy listening to this podcast yeah. about Twilight Imperium, we're always looking for new fans. So and every other piece of media. Oh yeah, um, it might take you us a while to get to your favorite, but we will. Yeah, eventually. Are you aware of the thesis of the show, which is that we believe that in 10 to 15 years, some cataclysmic global event or apocalypse will cause the rate at which media is produced to slow drastically, thus allowing us to catch, catch up? up. Yeah. 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 That's the hope, at least. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been Galen Fasty, everyone. Thank you so much. I am Cole. Cole, Meryl. Yeah. Uh, 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 Meryl, uh, nice shoes you got. Like yeah. Listen, this has been great. Yeah. You. Uh, all the, on behalf of all we'll have you back for uh, we'll you back. I'm sure yeah. the media said what are you going yeah need, she needs some more of that, that rich vanilla voice well I think I just have one more thing to say jeez yeah Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosa amen yeah.